Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Blog Talk Radio. The Net Live is brought to you by the Spire Institute. Integrating sports and education, training and learning performance and competition like no place on earth spireinstitute.org now on with the show it's that time we have the people this is eric and i'm wanna The Net Live is brought to you by the Spire Institute, integrating sports and education, training and learning, performance and competition like no place on earth. Spireinstitute.org. Now, on with the show. It's that time. We have the people. This is Eric and I'm Moana. This is Priscilla Lima. This is Casey Patterson. The story in real time. We're a much better team now than we were then. I'm not looking at just this year. I'm looking at the next four years. You're listening to The Net Line with Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. Peter. There's no better angle for sure uh, than the one from behind. Reeves. All this travel and playing and priorities have been really getting in the way of our relationship. And DJ Roucher. I have great thighs. It's The Net Line right now. It's the Net Live right now, not a few minutes ago. Welcome to the Net Live, ladies and gentlemen. I think we're on. Today should be a holiday. It should be. I don't, I don't know why we're here. I don't know what's going on. can't believe 16 people are in the chat room. You can hear some of the voices already in studio, a packed studio. Kevin Barnett. Next to Chris McGee, and over on the new couch, newly constructed AVOL headquarters, world headquarters for AVOL Incorporated. I'm in a different room right now. Dustin AVOL, you have enough cable to be in another room. Yeah. Over there, and uh, DJ Jeremy Roche without a mic, but that leaves him free to be on the iPhone this entire show. Kevin, is this the casting couch? Is that what they mean when they say the casting couch? That's what's happening over here? It's not a good topic to bring up right now. How the wife's going to feel about the casting couch? Yeah. Chris is looking at me with some sort of weird, strange smile. Yeah, I thought I had pet amusers, but we're back up to 17. We were at 12, <laughs> so I wanted to know where all the goofs were. We're a podcast there. show, buddy. Yeah. We're mainly a um, podcast show. People I get this like on iTunes. I do like Texas Toast. The Texas Troll had a nice, uh, probably the best chat room uh, post I've seen in a long time. He said, we are 75,000 signatures deep. We need 25,000 more to have you removed from the show. And I thought that was fantastic. I've signed that petition, so... Even weirder. According to Siggy, we have like a million fans, don't we? 500,000. 500,000 Strong. <laughs> yeah, if we had 500,000 fans, we wouldn't be sitting in my loft right now, a.k.a. the home court. By or, the way, you have new couches. Yeah, and I don't they know look what's fantastic. happening. Yeah. 
How'd you get those? Uh, Jeremy a- and I want to share. We got a nice note from 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 uh, the bosses, Kevin Barnett and, and, and Reed Pretty. Very nice. Uh, they are two wonderful, wonderful gentlemen that have dedicated the last three years to this show. Four. Bring it to four. This is the beginning of the fifth. Yeah, I've really been on the ball for three, so I figured I <laughs> don't realize the show even happened. For, first year was all practice. Yeah. <laughs> it was all, all dress rehearsal. Uh, it's a little weird, Jeremy, not having a mic anymore. Your hair looks like Steve Nash's right now. That's what I said last week. It's a grown man mohawk. He does not appreciate that at all. He does not appreciate Gatsby. it. Especially when... <laughs> yeah, he says, can't hear you, man. Don't have a microphone. <laughs> you know what? You guys have a lot of similarities. So same kind of style. Just like you guys have good style. It's different. Uh, I want to. I want to see. Fine. I want to see Jeremy in like a really tight, almost too small button-up shirt collar. Nash just rock that, like a little bow tie, maybe yeah. too short sleeves bow tie. Maybe if you supported Jeremy in one of his gigs, you'd see him wearing that. Kevin, Jeremy's kind enough to support me in one of my gigs. He showed up to UCI UCLA this past week. Heard He's it was a buddy. Slam dunk production unit. You guys got going on out there, huh? Really high class. It was an experiment, that's sure. for sure. I'll give you that. Yeah. Going on with Rebuild Polly, huh? Kind of like this show. This so do you think they're in the boardroom and they go, yeah, it's men's volleyball. Let's not send a director yeah. and a producer. Don't <laughs> no, no, worry about it. I, I think yeah. they actually go, it's men's volleyball. This is the right time to experiment. Gotcha. I think that's what they're, they're doing. They'll hmm. figure it out next time, I'm sure. Uh, all right, on the show today, we have a good one for you. Don Gramala of Kent State is going to be on the ABCA Coaches Corner talking about getting a new job and taking over a program. We'll have the ABCA College Volleyball Weekly. And later in the show, we will have CEO of USA Volleyball, Doug Beal joining us. Talk about a variety of topics, state of the beach, state of the indoor, and we'll find out if Chris McGee, you've been hired on as head coach of the men's team. I'll tell you what, that's where you really shine when Doug Beal comes on the show. Because he's the only one that understands anything you're saying. You too. You guys talk about Give me me that note back. We're going to take that letter back. For the record, I got no notes, so I'm just a freewheeling. I mean, I'm on the. You got a couch. I, I got a couch. It's hot over Listen, here. Listen, my man's complaining. He's sitting on a brand new couch. He's got his computer up on a pillow. Uh, for those of you people that are wondering, Barnett is absolutely killing it in work right now because these couches are very nice. <laughs> is this Crate and Barrel? It's Crate and Barrel. Wow. It took like 12 weeks to get. <laughs> you you order it, they make it in Malaysia or something, and then they ship you, it. Uh, I don't know. built them from IKEA. Yeah. Ikea, the, the kids' rooms are Ikea. Gotcha. The difference is that Crate and Barrel builds it for you, and Ikea, you have to build it yourself. Is that pretty much it? I'm glad Cam Kerr put this out here, as I was asking the fellows about this earlier. I just heard about it. Long Beach, July 23rd to 28th, the FIVB World Tour returns to the USA. That is not right. for sure. Is that is that? Well, as for sure as anything gets in that schedule. sport. It's USA versus the world is the, is the format I understand. Leonard's supposed to be. It's a that's, grand slam. That's huh? Leonard, yeah. Are, are you sure it's a USA versus the world? Because it says... Uh, Grand Slam on there. The way I've heard it pitched is that it's USA versus the world, so you'll have USA on one bracket and the world on the other bracket. Mm. I don't know. To me, Grand Slam means one of the double point events or whatever, right? Like Rome was. And... Hey, anything's possible in beach volleyball. Where do they have that? Where do you think that's even? What's the venue in Long Beach? Long Beach? Oh, right. They have a great one. Yeah. We were there a couple years. The one ABP that we did the ABP yeah, It was the last ABP. area out there is... Uh, I think you can have alcohol there, can't you? That's the big positive that's the big thing. You can drink. Hmm. Usually at sporting events, you can, and it kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah. Unless you're Drink responsibly. resident of Manhattan Beach, the old crotchety bozos are in charge. True. What do you think the uh, power outage last night did to alcohol sales? Increase, for sure. What else are you going to do? But Double or triple? You know, I tweeted this <laughs> last night. 
I like how you had the sideline guys having to carry the program. Yeah. That was interesting. You were talking earlier, said, yeah, these guys, you find out they're really used to doing a different job. Yeah, they know how to do, I mean, the sideline guys know how to do the, the live hits. Well, they you've got to understand what that's like for them. That's their Super Bowl. So the right. power goes out, so now you have to actually go get stories, and they have time for you to actually do a hit, and you could be on camera. Usually sideline reporters, you're, you're not getting in that much. It's Steve Jasko's time to shine. You're doing a walk-off interview at half. You're doing a quick update. What is it, four so times? Four times in the whole if game? For, yeah. for sideline and Super Bowl. So, yeah, probably four times. Which gets so you really them, mad if you blow like, one. All of a sudden, you become really important because you know the set's not going to carry you. Yeah. So you have to start uh, finding out about the lights and what's Harbaugh saying in one huddle, what the other Harbaugh's saying. So those guys all of a sudden, uh, you know, it's Disneyland for them. Just trying to keep the Harbaugh straight. I'll tell you one thing. John Harbaugh was not happy with whoever was explaining to him what was happening during the power outage. I don't know. The, the guy was like this you know, older guy. He was probably in charge of the, the Superdome or whatever. And I, it looked like he was just telling John Harbaugh what was happening. Like, look, I'm just, I'm just telling you what's going on. And there were some F-bombs dropped. You could do some re- you know, lip reading there and see what was that. He was not happy. I just wonder what happened to Harbaugh's pinky on his right hand. Yeah. Anybody else notice when he was doing that chop across his arm? You yeah, want a personal Jim. foul? Yeah, Jim. And, and his, his pinky, I don't know, it's not really attached yeah. It was an, an unnatural pinky angle. Well, he was a I know our fans like us to tie everything back to volleyball. Who does Jim Harbaugh remind you of the most in terms of blowing brain? He absolutely Constantly. loses his schnutz out Wilton? there. Wilton? Fantastic. Wilton? Not all the time. Wilton? I'm uh, thinking Beach. Charlie Brandt? Like a Hoff? Stokey type. I, you know, Hoff was actually really funny when he blew brain. Yeah. John McEnroe style. I think it's more Stokey. Stein? Yeah, Stein. Don't have a mic, Mom. Be part of the show. <laughs> we can still hear you a little bit. But it's a, it's amazing when he loses it. I mean, at the end of that game, that was fantastic. Can you ever hear him say anything real, though? Or do you just, from that NFL bad lip-reading thing, do you just hear him say, I want cake. I want cake now. <laughs> Everything you, he says. Would you have thrown the flag? <laughs> the challenge? The interference? Oh, no, the interference. The last, would you have thrown it? Oh man, this is tough. Like, it really depends who. You somebody know. had a good point today, though, because you remember they did not throw the flag on the hit out of bounds. Yeah, that should have been a penalty on San Francisco when they crushed Flacco three yards out of bounds. Sure. So they were they were not dropping the flags a lot. They were kind of letting that game roll, and it was getting a little chippy in the middle of the game too. It had been chippy from the early part. Yeah, they held on to those flags quite a bit throughout, consistently. I mean, then there was the. Weird, the weird safety at the end too. I mean, there's like full on. How about the holding? holding. How about the holding, holding on the, that in the end zone? Nobody calls the holding. I mean, I was like, she's holding him behind and like he's going to fall off. Yeah, a cliff. On the safety. Yeah. Oh, on the safety. Yeah, the no, punt. but that's okay. That the, the the Ravens were told to hold because it's an automatic safety. But doesn't that at least give them more time? Don't they no. call the holding? No, the hold you call after the play. Oh. Oh, so all you're doing is wasting time. That's a good point. It's not a dead ball. It's not a dead ball. They don't blow the whistle in the middle of the play. They score touchdown. They go, we're bringing it back. It was holding. So, no, it was genius by the Ravens. Hold as long as you can. Yeah. That's a great point. And credit Phil Simms for calling that. It was absolutely going to do that. Yeah. It was great call. Nance. I think Nance brought it up. Was it Nance? He asked Simms. Okay. Simms was like, uh, and he kind of thought about it and said no, and then they did it. Wasn't, didn't John Harbaugh get his start? Wasn't he a special teams coach? Isn't that where he came up from? Well, he came out from the Bears. Well, he was uh, he was a coach at USD, wasn't he? And then he was uh, wait, wait, Jim or John? John. Oh, John. Sorry, no, Jim was the quarterback. Yeah, John. John. Wasn't John the special teams coach? Uh, was kind of his start. That's how he was an assistant. He wasn't. It's not like he was an offensive coordinator. Came up that way, like a lot of the guys do, or anything like that. Can you so, give the mic to Jeremy because I want to know if he would have called that at the end of the game. 
the, the pass interference? I wanted to, but then I listened to uh, Trent Dilfer after the game. He said, I'm glad the refs didn't throw a flag because I didn't want to reward the team for a bad play call. That was a horrible play call. And a poor route run. Yeah. That's the other thing everybody's been talking about. Yeah, Crabtree. he was being held, but Crabtree was also pushing that guy too, so who knows. But it was an awful play call. You yeah. throw the fade to the corner of the end zone. Yeah, I agree because I, I also hate when... But you have a problem with all four of those calls, actually. I mean, just let Kaepernick yeah. chop him back and let yeah, him run. Yeah, it seems like the cool it. thing to do in the NFL these days is when you need a, a big chunk of yardage, you throw up a 50-50 ball and your receiver might come down with it or you might get pass interference and then you just take the huge the chunk of yardage. The play that's getting a little bit heckled is the uh, when they ran that uh, Fake field the short side. They ran Crabtree on third down into that little flat. That just wasn't that great oh. of a play. Oh, yeah, yeah. The yeah, their play calling at the end was terrible on that whole whatever first and goal series. I yeah. didn't like it at all. Okay. You could have run the ball, or like you said, drop Kaepernick back, go four wide, and give Kaepernick a little bit of room. Maybe a quarterback draw Second or something. He was, yeah, he was on. He's 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 a special. Yeah, how about player. Vernon Davis? He's six twelve and runs a four one forty. Guys, um, man, that's ginormous. big and fast. It's like a, that's the, like Avatar. He. Vernon Davis, they always say, might be the fastest guy on the field, and he's a tight end. How many of you guys have ordered deer antler spray? I had some in my coffee this morning. Starbucks. Now, <laughs> now an option. I'll have the uh, skim latte <laughs> with uh, deer antler spray. <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you think about the deer antler spray? I mean, it, I mean the whole just thing some with, other way uh, to distill testosterone? The PEDs in South Florida and Rodriguez. I mean, it's just, you know. It Rodriguez, up, again. It? Again. Yeah, keeps coming up. I just don't know if there's a good story out there very often anymore that doesn't get tainted. Hmm. I mean, I, I haven't tweeted last night. I mean, I'm telling you right now, if, if Niners win that game in 20 years, the Beyonce Bowl is a 30 for 30 because they're going to find out someone pulled the plug and who knows what happened. Yeah, I mean, you know when that a, happened in volleyball, right? Yeah, 91. legendary story. Delhi, Wait, I tweeted somebody that pulled the I plug. I tweeted the same thing. I'm envisioning just there's no, one plug that says legendary. do not pull at the here's, bottom of the stadium. Here's the volleyball title. I don't know we're if actually going to tie it back. I don't before. know if, yeah, we're going to tie it back. I don't know if anybody, uh, I'll be impressed with the people that know this. Hasek probably knows it because he remembers the Weeva. I heard this story. back in the glory days of men's college volleyball when when it was the greatest league in the history okay, of Okay, what year sports. is this? Because we need to 91. 91. 94 people need to drink then. 1991. Pre-94 reference drink. This is the truth. Okay. It was at regionals. The gold mine. At UC Irvine. It was at oh, UC really? Irvine. It was regionals. How did regionals get held at UC Irvine, first they, of all? They did my, every year I played, except for one. Like they were at the Mad okay. Dome. And this was probably in... Uh, in the Brent Center or in the Brent little Center. tiny place? No, Brent Center. Wow, so it was high class. Crawford Hall. Panicking and let me speak. <laughs> 1991, <laughs> UCLA up 2-0 on Long Beach State. Seeley's dishing. Uh, you know, Hilly... Zach Small, Stimfig, they're all playing for uh, Long Beach State. All of a sudden, 2-0, the power goes out, lights go out in the Bren Center. Legend has it that Delhi, who was an assistant coach, no one could find him at the time, found the power and turned it off. There's an hour delay. <laughs> Mike D'Alessandro. Mike D'Alessandro, Delhi. This is the guy who got thrown out of club tournaments later for being oh, yeah, completely he's never psycho. Back at JOs. He's yeah. fantastic. Um, he used to be on my Paul Mitchell team. <laughs> he comes back, apparently. Long Beach wins in five, wins the national championship, goes on to win the national championship. Wow. That's the only power outage that I know in our sport. No, I got so, one for you. Once again, we tie it back. I got one for you. Down in Barbados, 2001 for North Seca's qualifier for Grand Champions Cup. We are playing, I believe it was, it was the semis of the finals. You have to win to go. 
and we're in a big, it basically looks like an oversized high school gym. And on one side, there are a set of large windows. So the, the window area is probably about 15 feet across, maybe about 8 feet high, right? Well, we're playing the match, and all of a sudden, the lights start to flicker. And you look up, and you and you start seeing things go off. There's a little bit of smoke coming out of that wall. It's like a big paneled wall. And you see three guys run from left to right across, across the glass quickly. Then you see a bunch of bright blue flashes. So it's just... And you hear things exploding. And you see three guys faster go back the other way. And the lights go out. No idea what happened. We walk out. We have a hot dog. Because we're waiting for about 45 minutes. It's the middle of the match. I don't know. Set two or something. Have to have something to eat while we're outside. Go back in. They figured out how to get it back on. We go back in and play. But it was like the Muppet Show comedy where these guys go cross there. Bunch of blue explosions. Back the other way. Did Did any of you last night when you're watching the game, when the lights went out, did anybody have uh, a little bit of feeling like fear of a like terrorist or anything no. like that? You know what? I didn't actually. Because no. I heard about that afterwards, and I didn't have it either, but I, I wondered even, if anybody... didn't even think about it actually, to be honest with you. No. Because they were talking about it on you know the radio I was listening to on the way in. There's no question it's trippy. First minute, first minute, you know, you kind of go, wait a second. This is the most in, popular. In middle America, event. there was a guy in his living room who immediately went to the, the gun case, grabbed his shotgun, cocked it with just the one <laughs> hand, and ran out the front door. <laughs> no doubt about that. Did they? Did you guys see the footage that they showed from, I think it was Niner Steelers maybe last yeah. year with the entire state? Now, yeah. that's trippy. Yeah. That that's candlestick. That's candlestick part. Thank God but... you're not at a Raider game or you're getting shit. <laughs> <laughs> just at that stadium, by the way. Oh, I've, last week. I've seen some stuff go down at that stadium. Last week. Back terrible to to stadium. Games, it was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, Cam Kerr is right. I thought Bain was going to come out and make a speech about the Dark Knight Rising and all that uh, stuff. Challenging the only him. time I dropped acid in my life was in the mid-90s. <laughs> wow, here we go. No, that's got to be a no, drink. Wait, Somehow hold on. Pre-94 again, drink. I swear to God. Mid-90s. Uh, I, I, I Raiders, feel some... Cowboys. Raiders, Cowboys. There were more fights than I'd ever seen. It was the most. It was the scariest time of my life. We had a lot of volleyball guys there at that trip too. I won't uh, incriminate them all, but they were all there with me. Coley Kaiman. Uh, you know, Coley didn't make that trip, but I'm telling you, there were a lot of fights. This is the Hughes, last Raider game I've ever been to. Raiders, Brothers. Raiders, Cowboys, and it was a debacle. Wow. Raider games are nasty up in Oakland. In the press box last week. And I'm asking, how do I get out of here? I want to get down. The elevator is packed. I'm trying to get out. Oh, there's no other way. Where's the stairwell? Oh, uh, there might be one over there. What do you mean there might be? There's 250 <laughs> people up here. There's a nine-person elevator, and we're at Earthquake Country. Hello, Oakland. Yeah. The stadium is just beat, man. You're up there. There's, like, equipment from the 70s still strapped to tables. There's wires everywhere exposed. It's not a good scene up there. It's the there. same thing as, you know, the Niners game. The O.Co. Coliseum. Well, the candlestick, they're getting a new one, right? They're going to Santa Clara, and they're going to get – you think Silicon Valley, they'd have just the most impressive, like, technologically advanced yeah. touch screens and No, candlestick. You know. <laughs> yeah, power dump. out. Yeah. yeah, a dump. There you go. Would love, the, would love the Murph to redo our stadium for my bolts. Mm. That might propel us to a Super Bowl. No. Nope. New coach this year, right? Got rid of Norv again. Norris out. Man. Hey, you want some storylines? Yeah. Speaking of new coaches, you want some storylines? I did UCI UCLA this past week. That's right. How's UCI? We Dave both, Niffin at we had the both head. coaches on the last 
last two weeks. We had was there like a love fest going on with Spraw or something? I read something on Twitter. Some guy was like, "Man, you guys are in love with Spraw." On here, maybe he had a sexy yeah. side of head of hair. So that's what I. Yeah, really just love to lotion it up and enjoy it. <laughs> what are we going to say? Bad things about the guy? He he took a, a non-contender, won three national championships in six years, and now signed. On with his alma mater, UCLA, to replace a coach hey, after bro, 50 years. Don't shoot the There's nothing bad going on about uh, John Spra. Listen, I'm with you, Fruit Loop. I'm just saying that this guy... <laughs> if i got to lick his out. head, it's okay. It's bald. No hair. So, Spra is 0-2 versus Niff and Presh? <laughs> Spra 0-2 versus Niff and Presh? 0-2. Went down in five twice. Yeah, 15-13 both times? Yeah, kid. 0-2. Hey, kid. Yeah, I believe 15-13. Hey, Johnny Spra, you and I, kid. <laughs> a lot of great times together. <laughs> I want a lot of national champions Here, together, buddy. Here's what I want you to do. Hey, kid. Go down, say hello to the ladies. Yeah. He's a little bit of John Wayne, plus like a beach guy. We're that's talking what about John, Mark Fresher, Mark Yeah. Can't believe i got to wear a shirt up in here. <laughs> Getting a little hot. Better take off my shirt. Yeah, little... He and Matthew Dude, McConaughey you're... cut from the same mold. You're way too much John Wayne. Is Fresh a little bit uh, Don McClain, Tim? You know, it's funny you say that. Yeah. Uh, I did not notice that until last year. I was on air with Don McLean, yeah. and I got a few texts from some of our buddies that are like, dude, McLean is fresh. And it started <laughs> to literally, the moment I read the text, I could not stop thinking about it. Because you're sitting right next to the guy when you're, when you're doing a show, Chris yeah. Live. And I was like, you're on live TV. Oh my God, all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, I cannot Freak. get it out of my head. And from that day on, and then we did a game together where I was play by play, he was color analyst, it was UCLA, uh, Arizona State last year, and it freaked me out the entire game. And I was like, <laughs> Kevin Martin was the first guy. How's his hair? He texts me. He's like, dude, McLean is fresh. And then it just started snowballing from there. Like, I never heard it for years. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it just came. And now I can't ever get out of my head. Thank God I don't see him anymore. Tom McLean, all-time leading scorer, Pac-12 history. Yes, all-time leading scorer. Yeah. McLean Deluxe. About a 10-year career, 9-year career, maybe. Yeah, I met his wife, Washington Bullets cheerleader. Yes. A little little trivia for you. Wow. He used to to come into Houston's where I worked in Manhattan Beach way back in the day. Really? I remember him sitting out front in his convertible, like, four-seater Mercedes. I'm like, wow, that's a sweet car. Yeah, big guy. Yeah, Presh does deal. have a little that, but uh, not so much. Presh this year to coach with Niff. Uh, I thought that was cool. I, I think he was thinking about hanging it up, but uh, you know, I know that they're really close to that group, and once again, a solid team. So, yeah. Yes, Jeremy. <laughs> I was at that match too with you, Kevin. Oh, that's right. Uh, and your buddy. Yeah, my buddy, Rich, number seventeen for UCLA, who's eight feet tall. Yeah. Oh, uh, he's seven feet. Actually. Robert, Robert Page. Page. He needs uh, plays outside. Good kid. He sucked. He doesn't. He doesn't know his body yet. No, he sucked. He's actually had some really nice matches. That one was god-awful. So he was just off that match. Way off. Not normally how he plays. Yeah, he's all left him in. He's led the team. And that was a bone of contention with Skates. Does he play opposite now? Yeah. Yeah. Because I felt like they shouldn't have set him. There was a clash in styles there with Skates. Because Skates was like, I'd have taken him out. Skates Skates is the next guy up. He's not having anything. He's not letting anybody work through anything. He's just putting another guy in. And Skates was your analyst, right? Correct. That's what I was getting to. You had Niffin, who replaced Spraw. You had Spraw, who replaced Skates. And you had Skates, who replaced me. And I moved over to the play. Ring around the rosy. (laughs) How's Skates doing the color? He's great because he's honest. He doesn't care. He doesn't need the job. That's so great. That's amazing. At one point, I I I forget who it was, but he quoted. At one point, he goes, yeah, he, he he's no good at that. (laughs) <laughs> How about some player? Uh, like right on. You're you know? absolutely- See, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Like that's how I think it should be. We we need more of those in our sport. Just honesty. Yeah, just like you know what? I I yank him. He's just not good. Well, Ke- Kevin made a good point. Is that I remember always watching or playing against UCLA, and you knew that if some guy immediately went under, you know, 150 that was hitting or something, he was out. The next guy was up. They have such a stable right. at UCLA. They always did. 
that it was just next guy I will up. Tell you guys, they don't have it as much as they no, used they to, don't. but, I will but tell it's also a difference in style. This this is Al Skates and the UCLA program in the 80s and the 90s to a T. It is hilarious. We played UCLA. First time we ever beat them was at Cal State Northridge, and there's a guy named Babick on their team. Okay, okay. He was from, I forget where. Trevor Babick? European. The the he was a middle blocker. We played him in January. He careered against us, played mm. middle, was awesome, tore us up. We played him two months later, okay, at 14-14 in the first game. They were up 14-10, to 10, regular scoring. We come back tied at 14. Ralph Tolino hits a jump serve. It's going out of bounds. He's on the back line calling in or out. It hits him, <laughs> okay? We end up getting that the next point, winning the match for the first time ever. I kid you not, a month later, a month later, the guy was not suiting up. On the team. Carl Hinkle swear when we, we played club that year for Paul Mitchell, Carl Hinkle said, Oh my god, the guy never really ever played again. Yeah, the, back like, behind the curtain. Like Al Skates had never seen how do you get hit with the ball going out of bounds? He thought it was just so bad yeah. that that guy could never play for me again. The guy never suited up. By the time they were in the playoffs at the Bren Center, yes, you see Irvine <laughs> in the regionals, he was in the stands. <laughs> he wasn't suited up. This guy was a star in January. Hit eight hundred against you. That is an absolute true story. Amazing. That's a skater. That's how Skates did it, I remember. Most interesting John Spraw quote, and I asked Al Skates about this on the broadcast from our interview, was UCLA tipping from confidence to arrogance. Yeah, in those days, in the 80s and 90s. And I thought that was interesting. Uh, Say that again? I, I asked Al about that. I don't remember what he said. but Say that again? John said that at some point UCLA tipped from confidence to arrogance. He was talking a little bit about back when he was playing and how oh, no doubt. they could kind of just do whatever because they were so much better than everybody else that it went from confidence well, to arrogance. And he's dealing with kids now who who might think, hey, we're at UCLA, we, we've got this, and it's a different time. It, it, it's, you know, Seeley was almost going to be the first setter to ever go through without winning. When that, my class came, that was Seeley's freshman year as well, those guys, those guys, everyone thought that they were just going to win all the time. Well, they didn't win until Seeley was a senior. But you're right, like Kevin Wong, all those guys that came there, it did turn to arrogance. We're UCLA. Yeah. Then they got on another hot roll, won three out of five years or whatever it was. Yeah. But then after that, you know, they didn't win for a while. Then Talia Farrow won a couple. Yep. But, you know, in Since the then. 80s, they won all the time. And, and, and they thought if they were UCLA, they just were so good. I used to drive everyone crazy. They would show up to, to, um, they would show up to the Ridge. Al would show up 15 minutes for the match. Not even care. It drove Price crazy because he, he didn't care. Yeah. He would show he wanted to show up. They would show up to US, uh, UCSD. They'd be doing dunk contests. Seeley would tell the story. They, will do, they were doing dunk contests with a volleyball on a rim and not even warming up. It's the best warm-up That's in the world. That's the arrogance that they had. Best warm-up I've ever had doing that. Argentina had a great warm-up doing that one time. We went out and stomped Argentina. You just you feel good. You're relaxed. It's mentally freeing. Maybe we can ask Doug Beal about that. I've hit 10,000 balls in the last week, so why do I need to hit another 30? Yeah. Know, I'm good. Warm it up. That was the same match that uh, Eric Sullivan thundered Javier Weber in warm-ups. Javier Weber, longtime setter for Argentina, probably Hall of Fame member. And Sullivan goes up to libero thunder a ball, hits it. You know, you're hitting on both sides. Hits it straight down on top of Javier Weber's head. Is annihilates Sully, him. What year was Sully? Was he on that 91 team, UCLA, on the Delhi? He, he was on the 93 team that, that beat me, but he was a, a red shirt he might have been a red shirt freshman. Man, people are drunk now. We've spent a long time <laughs> in between the years of 90 and 93 right yeah, now. Yeah, good times. People are just hammered. Hey, what did you think about the commercials? Commercials in the Super Bowl. Uh, 
I thought they were pretty good. I, I, I was into them in the beginning, and then I fade out, and I start doing other things. But uh, the GoDaddy one is really where I yeah. decided. Very polarizing. Well, it was really interesting, actually, I uh, because it started to be a blowout, right? The game started to be a blowout right there around halftime. Sure. And I saw some tweets and, and whatnot. And how about Twitter, by the way, during the Super Bowl, especially during the power outage? What did we do before before there was Twitter and you could see what everybody else was thinking? Someone you talked to the people next like, to you. This is what Twitter is for, like yeah. the platform that it, you know. I mean, you used to talk to the people next to you instead of your phone. Yeah, I know. It's it's amazing. But somebody said on, on Twitter, if if it's a blowout and you had, you know, you paid $4 million for a 30-second spot in the fourth quarter, how pissed are you that it's, it's going towards, like, are people going to not pay attention anymore? Are you, you know, you're not getting the same money as having that first quarter commercial where everybody's, oh, what's uh what what's Bud Light gonna do? What's the you know what's the GoDaddy spot? I think forty million people watched. I think is the most watched Super Bowl ever. That's what I heard this morning on Sports Center. If I heard that correctly, yeah. Well, there's some good ones, some bad ones. Forty million states alone. Mm-hmm. I like the Farmer one. I like Paul Harvey. A little long. Yeah, but that. But it was cool. Different. Had a lot of response. Yeah. That was different. Uh, I didn't see the makeout. I think I saw just part of the makeout. I didn't see the whole thing. I don't know why people get so upset when. People are kissing. It's not that big a deal, folks. Because she's hot, Kevin. <laughs> and he's not. Is that that's the issue? Yeah, well, I guess so. Juxtaposition of a nerd getting on with a about super hot chick. GoDaddy. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't like that? Well, I'll never use GoDaddy again. Why? Why does that matter? Oh, like, how does how does that? how does my hosting service matter if they have some chick making out? What about Jeep going patriotism? Yeah, I don't know. You didn't see that one? I like the ones you were just showing me with. Uh, yeah. Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen. Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen. Yeah, that was pretty funny. I like that one. Okay, so I'm having breakfast with LeBron's kids. Yeah. What? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, that yeah, was t- funny. You pulled the that miracle stain. I didn't see, but everyone loved that one. You didn't you see the miracle stain? All right, I'll work uh, on it. You host the show. I'll take you care of it. You know what? Tide was actually one of the... Uh, Joe Montana once had a great spoof commercial on Saturday Night Live. Did you ever see that? One? Which one was that? Oh, it's amazing. But Tide, actually, one of the uh, – speaking of Twitter and the blackout and, yeah. and all that, Tide and uh, Oreo actually came really quickly. I was following USA Today Money on, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And Tide and Oreo, I think Audi also, came out with a with, – I mean, instantly about the power outage. Like Oreo came out with a tweet that had a, a picture attached that said, you can dunk in the dark. And Tide said, Tide said, uh, you know, we can't get the blackout back, but we can get your stain out or something like like all these – Social media makes that advertising so quick now. You have to be right on top of it. Oh, there you go. No, that's not it. No, the yeah, the Taco Bell old party, old people party. Do you think party. it was Manti girlfriend that uh, turned out the lights? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Chris, have we got your thoughts on that because that continues to oh, me just be amazing. You don't, you don't want my thoughts on that. <laughs> I really want them now. You sure want, we do. We're on, like a tease. we're on the you internet. That's such a tease, right there. That's a Seacrest when we come back. It's, hey, can we feed this into the, the board here? Story, dude. Uh-huh. I'm so disgusted by that story. I was so addicted to it for about two weeks, and now I can't. I'm just done with it. The Lene Kakua? Yeah. I don't care what anybody says. Manti had somewhat of a clue. At least at some point. You're not falling in love and on the phone every day and can't see them and never seen the person before. Come on, bud. Yeah. There was yeah. a lot of... Uh, Feedback on speaking of the Kiss commercial the about Tuyasa Sopo kid. There we go. Serious yeah. issues that he's got to deal with. There you go. Let's see if we can feed this in. See how loud this comes through. Yeah. 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 
see the miracle. See the miracle. Oh, this is the same. Yeah. Great radio. And it drops. It drops. Yeah, he's eating a chip with salsa on it. Falls under his 49er jersey. I love this guy. This, this guy did a great job. He built Montana land. Yeah. Thank God, by the way, that we're not putting on the audio for that Kiss commercial. Because that was aggressive. Staying on a stick. What's that made of, by the way? Yeah, Casey, I know that Jeremy Roche loved the Calvin Klein commercial, too. Where's my 49ers jersey? Oh, I washed it. You washed it? I had a stain on it. <laughs> Go Ravens. Yeah, pretty good. No, that's a good, a good one. Like yeah, that. the Calvin Klein one's getting a lot of run. I didn't see that one. The one I liked was uh, the one that I really... There's a lot of abs. A lot of abs. The one that, that I really... Hey, Stevie Wonder in a commercial. Stevie Wonder was in a few commercials. Yeah. I was yeah. wondering if Kevin knew who that guy was. The one that really hit home was Didn't. the little girl in her princess outfit and the dad's walking by oh, with yeah. football. Yeah, your Doritos. And he looks in, and then the next scene, all his buddies walk by. That's he's dressed up with lipstick on, eating the Doritos. Really. Yeah, hit home. Really hit home. So How about? I, I, that, 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 that's my life, actually. Yeah, the, the, on the chat board right now, Leon Sandcastle, that was pretty good. I, I had Leon Sandcastle I got a couple funny. chuckles about that. Yeah. Little girl versus dog. No, that's not the right one. Doritos has done a good job lately. Was that one of those ones that they had other people make? Yeah. Is that like a, a viewer submission? The goat, hungry goat. That was a weird one. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. Got a little weird stuff going on. The stain is sacred. The forty-fifters minus. Yeah, fifty. The fifty years minus one. Can't say that. Can't say super. Can't even say it. Fifty-niners minus one. I, lo- I thought that's the super. The super plate? <laughs> the big plates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one that one's awesome. I don't know. What was your favorite? Chat board, tell us. A lot of people like the Calvin Klein one. Yeah. Is that Gardhoff? As long as you get a little audio, we get the farmer one. Give you a little taste of that one. Paul Harvey? Yeah, that, that got mixed reviews. On Twitter, at least. Yeah. A lot of people loved it. A lot of people loved it. People may not know who Paul Harvey is anymore. That's Good. part of the problem. The Paul Baxter? Damn. Paul Harvey was a great order. Stand by for news. And said, I need a caretaker. Yeah. So God made a farmer. God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows kind of a long again, one, wasn't it? supper, then go to town yeah. and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. It's just different. I mean, what I really enjoyed about that, the fact that it was different. I like that they, they went... Uh, not the traditional direction, didn't go for some shock value. They just went for something that was kind of uh, oddball, but but good. Yeah. Jeremy? It should be the law that every commercial in the Super Bowl has to be funny. <laughs> every single one. It should be the law. Uh, yes, the law. Hmm. Gonna... What about Oprah voicing over the uh, hole again Couldn't thing hear it. for Jeep? Did you like that one? Nobody saw that one? I don't know. All right. Well, we can't play it all here. We can't play every commercial here. We can play a few. Yeah. Anybody have some good, interesting prop bets during the game? I heard a good one that I heard by Chris McGee's brother that was on the radio last week. Yeah. Matt McGee? No. Oh. The other brother-in-law was... I can't get any audio audio back on these commercials here? Here Over. Oh, here you go. The next big thing, you two, ideas. We know that it's got to be big because it's for the Super Bowl. We can't say you can't Super- say the name of the game. You can't say Super Bowl. We actually can't say Super Bowl. No. 
It's no. trademarked. No. Nope. We could get sued. By who? Everybody? Nobody? Who knows? Wait, so can I say super? Yeah. Am I allowed to say, like, Diggy? Can I say San Francisco? Sure. But I can't say the 40. Can I say the Baltimore Rays? Can we say the San Francisco 50 minus ones? <laughs> I like Thumbs up. Can we say the Baltimore Blackbirds? Absolutely. All you want. Okay. So then what do we say instead of super? The big game! So the what we game? El Plato Supreme! The big <laughs> plate? Doing a commercial <laughs> for the big plate. Oh. Yeah. The prop bets. I was really, I'm always really into the prop bets. And Bax just wrote the Alicia Keys over for two minutes, ten seconds on the anthem. That was a loss. Seven-second Harbaugh hug. You knew it was going uh, over. I lost, uh, I lost the over-under on the national anthem a couple years ago when Christina Aguilera yeah. skipped words. I thought that was complete. I mean, that should have been thrown out of court immediately. Yeah. But a good one that I heard on the radio this week was what's going to be the over-under or the highest between Chris Bosch's points and the largest deficit in the game. Ooh. Yeah. That was an interesting one. It was we, really had a, interesting. we did a whole bunch for our show yesterday before the Laker game. Yep. Kobe's going to score more than the 49ers. Yeah. Uh, Steve Nash will have more assists in the game than the Ravens will have points in the first half. And then it's uh, something about Ray Lewis's tackles and the Lakers' three pointers. It was it was a good time. Yeah, they're always fun when prop they're bets. Yeah, they're always fun when they're between. Yeah, you go to sports. Vegas, there's hundreds of prop bets. Heads or tails. Yeah. The good one that I had uh, yesterday over under people to throw a pass at two and a half. So basically, do you think that somebody besides Colin Kaepernick or Joe Flacco was ever going to throw a pass in the game? You had a chance with a fake field goal. Fake field goal. Maybe Alex Smith comes in. I tried to get in a Twitter fight yesterday because some guy lit me up because <laughs> I said that was a dumb play. The fake field goal? But he wouldn't engage. Um, and that bothered you even more. Yeah, it bothered me. But uh, well, he shouldn't throw out a, a – you know, if he's going to come at me first, yeah. and then I just bounce back with him, calling him a little bit of a barnyard – and let's do hey. this. And then he never. Sorry about that, Kevin. Don't we get months? Your name is. Thanks a lot. Used daily by me. Yeah. Um, you didn't like it. It was a dumb play. You didn't like it. Well, listen. You have all the momentum in the world. You're going to get three more points. The reason why I didn't like the play, and by the way, it was well executed. I mean, you got ten because you had to get twelve yards. Yeah. By your kicker. Nine yards. You got eight. I mean, that's a long way to go, man. It's not like he's trying to get five. And, and they're at, you know, I don't know. Man. It wasn't a well-executed play. I agree with you on that And one. they had a ton of momentum at that point. Yeah. Now, it didn't kill them, obviously. They got the ball back and ended up scoring on the next drive. Yeah. But I'm just saying, later in the game, you're like, ooh, I would have loved those three points. And then the lights went out. But who knows? Yeah. You know? Who knows? Is this redemption for Ray Lewis? What do you... I don't in, know if redemption is the right respect, word. Yeah. <laughs> Does this change? Anyone's feelings about Ray Lewis? No, because no. it depends. What I, I was at the party yesterday, and okay. uh, like a guy like Aaron Walkfogel can't stand him. And then the next guy, you can't stand Aaron Walkfogel. I, I, I have mixed feelings. I have mixed feelings on Aaron. Walkfogel. He can't, Jeremy can't stand. He can't Aaron stand Walkfogel. Ray Lewis. I'm saying it goes like I went to work that day, and people, half the people, were lighting him up for crying during the national anthem in the AFC Championship game, and the other half were saying he's the biggest god ever. Look at how he, how passionate he is, how he's turned his life around. It depends on what side of the fence you're on. Do you believe he's a double murderer and he, you know, he's a bad guy? If you do, then you hate him. If you are into his speeches and what he's given to the game and how hard he plays, uh, and you buy his act, then yeah. you love him. So well, totally, you're going to love it. Fifty percent are going to hate him. Fifty percent are going to love him. Let's talk about. I mean, my, I guarantee Forty Nine er fans don't like him. My feeling on it is this: he, you can't really knock that he is a, an amazing competitor and an unreal performer in these big games. That's, I see that as fact. And then everything else is just opinion, so it's going to go every other way. 
You know, uh, they did a pretty funny sketch on him on Saturday Night Live. I think it was last week. Yeah. They just cried every, all the time. It was amazing. He couldn't get his face paint off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, he uh, he's definitely polarizing. I'll tell you that much. People, yeah, no question about it. Yeah, his speeches are pretty amazing. Yeah, there's no doubt about is it. Is he going to be on? Is he going to be like the 19th wouldn't person at the love, desk on CBS? Wouldn't you year? love to know what really happened? Yeah. In that. Uh, yeah. Maybe it was guy was a Raider fan. So fight. <laughs> <laughs> Got him with a rusty Matt Gardoff had mentioned uh, Steve Nash missing those two free throws at the end of the game yesterday. Jeremy, Steve Nash has not missed the front and back end of a free throw in seven years. It had been since 2006. 583 two-shot attempts. He missed both. One went in and out, the other hit the back. He missed uh, both. He's not, he hasn't missed two. Yeah, it's crazy. And what? Yeah, what's his career in free throws? 90-something? Just something insane. Yeah, he admit he was thirty nine of forty one until he missed those two. He what? was thirty seven thirty seven at one point. What a hack! <laughs> How do you think they handled the blackout? That was a debacle. Yeah, just the whole blackout in general. I mean, you can't you can't plan for it. Well, and speaking of the, the commercials, they around. couldn't. They they you only have a certain amount of commercials, right? So oh, you yeah. can't just you run can't just run them because yeah. you know, hundreds. Of that was funny. I thought that was funny because they they only had a certain amount that had paid. You can't just pull them in from after the game. You know, I know. I mean. We've been in situations on set where all of a sudden we have to come on air because something's gone wrong, never for that amount of time. But things happen like that. It's amazing how like that got put – you know that they were complete. They were in a suite, Massive watching panic. the game, oh, hanging I, out. All of a sudden it was like, get down on the set. You I know, wish every, I could have seen oh, that. Oh, my God. That I mean, full that on for panic. sure was – what do we do? With Dan Marino on his knees trying to run down the stairs. Let me tell you something. The amount of emails and phone calls that were going on between CBS executives at that point, you can't even fathom. Oh. I mean, it was a full panic. I, I wish I had seen that. And And the one guy who – uh, who had to deal with it? Hey, find us power. Like, what do you mean? I don't. How do Plug you... that back yeah. in, and, dude. And my it's... computer was running out of charge. Yeah, exactly. And it's not just a switch. That's the best thing. Is once they figure it out, it doesn't just come back on. It takes what fifteen, twenty minutes to warm. You gotta warm those lights back up. Come on, just play. Well, that's why in new arenas the lights don't go out; they shutter them. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a slide that goes over them, so they don't have to actually turn the lights off to come back on. Did not know that. Yeah, explain called shuttering the light. So there's a mechanism where you hit the button that some metal thing slides in front of the light so yeah. you can turn the lights For off. For intros. Intros, anthems, whatever. So you're not turning the lights off to turn them back on because right. it's not your average but you turn them 20 off. watt bulb that you have up there. But they turn them off after the game. It's a lot of, of 20 white bulbs. Yeah, so just during the game they shutter them for intros. and Yeah. And I also learned on the broadcast last night too that the stadium is on its own power source because it's drawing so much energy they don't yeah. want to take away from the rest of the city. Yeah, I, I know that about a lot of stadiums that they do have their own, their own power. They're not drawing from a, another place. Well, I, wasn't and that they what they were saying? Though, was there, was an, there was an outside line coming into the Superdome, which, which was cut, or which was uh, something was ha- happened with it? Because this is let, great. This is <laughs> let me KCBB Ray Lewis. When you believe in what you believe, the ultimate is the ultimate. Great philosophers <laughs> in Harvard Bar time are turning over in their graves. That was like Geet's tweet yesterday about. <laughs> I can't wait to hear from Flacco how good Flacco thinks Flacco is. Yeah, because Flacco, <laughs> you know, in the beginning of the year, Flacco thought Flacco yeah. was pretty awesome. Yeah. So I just said, I can't wait for Flacco to tell us how great Flacco is. I was hoping, once the lights went out, I wanted the 49ers to win, just because all the God jokes that were going to come to Ray Lewis, because oh. did God turn out the lights so the 49ers could win? I mean, there yeah. was going to be some good jokes. The 30 for 30 was in the works. 
30 for 30 is for sure. It's already happened. It was called Beyonce Blackout Bowl. 30, and I was producing it. <laughs> I'd already texted Bill. Beyonce took all the power. I already, had, the I already had Bill Simmons on Filmmaker the Filmmaker Chris McGee. Yeah, yeah, I already had Bill Simmons on the hook for like two mil. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other uh, conspiracy theory is that the, the halftime show blew the lights. Like just pulled too Sucked much. too much power. Yeah, blew too Destiny's much power. Destiny's Child was just a megawatt. I'm going to tell you guys suck the yeah. truth, and it's going to hurt a lot of people. The poll is in. I've taken the votes. 85% of the show non-volley, 15% of the show volley <laughs> works for the people. It's a better show when it's better only show. 15% volley. And it hurts people. Kevin's thought this for a long time. I felt it. We've been afraid <laughs> to go down that road. This is the day to do it because there's just nothing going on in volleyball. And you know what? I don't know if Reed's going to be happy with it. But it's the truth. You already got your card. I don't know what. Where is Pretty? Where's Pretty? You promised me he'd be on the show. What do we change the name of the show to? We still call it the Net Live, just out of loyalty. Yeah, I think so. And love. I'm I'm telling you, Dustin. Dustin's in for the evening sports show. Yeah. Just be like this. I mean, there's first take on ESPN. We'll call it Last Take, right? Because everyone's already asleep except for us. Yep. We'll call it Last Take. We can't. We can't do our morning show, Geeter, that I've talked to you about. 29 in the uh, chat room? I guarantee we get at least 32. There's no better angle, for sure, uh, than the one from behind. That's, I mean... That is an excellent way to empty the the cartridge right here. Nobody listens to a podcast. The revolver is now done. There are shell casings all over the place by Jeremy. He just dominated everything he had. I dominated. I dominated. I dominated. I dominated. Um, Oh, boy. I'll bring it back to volley. No, don't. I have to. Matt, get, okay. Matt Gardhoff, at least the net live only loses audio and never yeah. for more than five minutes. I got a tweet from. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I. Uh, we're just getting crushed. I love it. I'm related to that. I got a tweet yesterday from Scotty out in, in UMass. He, UMass, Scotty. Yeah. Lo- he, he's a podcast listener. Yeah. He's always about four days late on the show, but he gets to every Consistent show. Yeah, because I, I was that. tweeting. I was trying to be snarky and funny about the power outage and all that. And, and he tweeted back at me and said. Uh, you know, it's just like the Net Live, same production level. <laughs> you know, that's actually, awesome. <laughs> that's actually pretty awesome. Well so, done, Scott. Yeah, uh, that's how we do it here. How come Cam Kerr never has p- production problems out in Canada when he does? He's got like a full studio when he was doing this. He had video. I mean, he was. I know he's What's breaking Cam in. Cam paying for that? Studio? He was breaking into the CBC at night or something. I don't know. I heard. Uh, speaking of speaking of Canada, I heard on the radio this morning. There was a guy who won a free trip to the Super Bowl. Like Bud Light was going to host you, your, your, you know, make VIP, out with Bar FL. VIP, whatever, VIP at the Super Bowl in New Orleans. He's in Toronto, and he had a pot arrest thirty years ago. They wouldn't let him out of Toronto, so he couldn't go to the Super Bowl VIP style. So Bud Light goes, "Hey man, it's cool. We'll we'll uh, we'll flow you to our Super Bowl party in Vancouver." Just hey. Just hang out there. Hang out there. Oh my God! That's, what a debacle. Yeah, that's why. Because uh, he got busted for a little herb thirty years ago. Yeah, two grams. He said thirty years ago, wow. in nineteen eighty-one. Amazing. Kid was getting after it in eighty-one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody in eighty-one. I wonder if Cam Kerr was at that party. I don't know. I just want to. <laughs> I don't know, but he doesn't have problems with his gear. How old is man. Cam Kerr? That's a good question. I, met, I had uh, dinner with Cam Kerr last year for his Toronto Supercross. Camps around our age. Whatever happened pension? to Vinny Lopes? How uh, he's busy with the men's season, dude. He's off the ball. Did you go to Supercross in Anaheim this week or something? Yeah, I worked every one. I was there Saturday night. I work, I work every one. 
What are you thinking? Jeremy almost showed up. Jeremy is four hours early, though. Honestly, hold on. Dustin has a very valid question. What? What, what are you thinking? You do every motocross every weekend? Huh? Do you, you, you said do, you work do, everyone. Do you do every weekend? Yeah, 16 of 18 weeks. Nationwide? I mean, how far do you Holy go? Holy shnut. No wonder there's a new couch, first off. <laughs> but is that fun? So Anaheim, Phoenix, Anaheim, Oakland, Anaheim. That's where we were this last weekend. Then it's San Diego, Arlington, Atlanta, St. Louis. Week off. And then, I don't know, Houston. That is know, like, was, that is AVP know. heyday yeah. schedule. Dominating in Anaheim, yeah, by the 50, way. How does your people? sport go and ours doesn't? Oh, it's my sport now. I yeah. like that. I like that. They, they, yeah, they have tickets, revenue. They sell about a quarter million dollars in merchandise at <laughs> each one of these things. Yeah, that's how they do it. I had a fight with Coley Kaiman the other day about... Uh, Indianapolis, know, Toronto. Kaiman, get ready Houston. to drink. Play volleyball at Northridge in the 90s. That's a double drink. Oh, my God. He, His son is about eight years old, and he believes that the WWE is the greatest. <laughs> now that Canyon, work, Canyon runs even it. works for yeah. him. Yeah, they, they go all the time when they're in town. And he just... Nonstop argues with us about how it is the best entertainment <laughs> out there, and I just, for the life of me, cannot wrap my hands. Coley around. argues that he's saying it's the greatest entertainment. Now, now listen, and, and, and not Coley's kid. Volleyball could be. Oh yeah, no, his soap kid has opera, like, yes. His kid has like belts in his room, like championship belts. Like he lives it. And I and I'm a listen, man. I is there a ring anywhere in the house? I understand loving. Yeah, his wife won a title at UCLA. I, no, an actual ring, not a volleyball ring. Oh, no, no, no. A not ring yet. ring. Not yet. Maybe in the backyard. I understand <laughs> loving what your kids love yeah. and getting into it and supporting them, but at some point, you can't let them go over the top with wrestling, can you? I mean, come Something on. Something about... Is he w- going to be one of those, like... Coley's one of those, like, buff 42-year-old guys, like, yeah. at the wrestling things going crazy and literally cheering. Yeah. I told him, like, I just... I can't... I don't know if we could be that good of friends anymore. Yeah, CK, PEDs, what do you think? I mean... Ed Bond, CK has lost his mind. <laughs> Eddie Bond, how is Eddie Bond doing? Eddie, love yeah. prayers. And prayers good to him. Yeah. Going out to WWE, one of the uh, one of the one of my great friends leagues that went the direction of hey, we don't care, we're using every growth hormone, whatever, and it's entertainment. It's not yeah, sport, right? No testing in that. Yeah. We want a break. We're going to take a break. If you want to see me somewhere in the United States, I will be in Arlington, Atlanta, St. Louis, Indianapolis, Toronto, Houston, Minneapolis, Seattle, Salt Lake, Kevin, and honestly, Vegas. Literally, those signatures that Texas Toast and Troll needs, they, it's like up to 10,000. You just <laughs> lost a lot, right? You just ran down the schedule. This is like an, uh, it's Reed, a camp. It's like, Reed is you're in like Russia. anti-campaigning yourself right Reed now. is in Russia, and he's not, first of all, he's drunk, and he's pissed. <laughs> He's in Turkey, first of all. He's in Turkey. (laughs) (laughs) Wherever he is. By the way, I was going to say it's a great 53 minutes in radio, but with the audio problems and us coming on late, it was a great 32 minutes. (laughs) All right. With uh, audio issues and blackouts like the Super Bowl, it's a net live on a Monday. Because I admitted to dropping acid, can I even go to Canada? (laughs) No, you're not allowed to uh, leave the country. We should probably go to break. You can't go to the Super Bowl either. We have a lot more to come. We have Don Grimala of uh, Kent State coming up in the AVCA Coaches Corner. Then we have the AVCA Coaches Volleyball Weekly or College Volleyball Weekly, I think it's called. And then we have Doug Beal. Yeah, you better look it up. Who's Don? You better look up right now who he is. This is the Coaches Corner. We're, we're exposed yeah, to Jeremy, people that you've yeah, never Jeremy, heard of. Yeah, Jeremy, look it up. We all know. 
All right, can we get Chris's assistant, please? Volleyball Mag, the industry's number one volleyball magazine. Volleyball Magazine has been serving the volleyball community for over 20 years with the latest in volleyball news and information, product reviews, athlete profiles, fitness, health, and travel-related features. It's published nine times a year. Volleyball Magazine brings you the inside to the access to the sport's biggest stars. Whether you're interested in junior, collegiate, or professional level, sand or indoor, Volleyball Magazine has you covered both on and off the court. Visit us now. Do it. www.volleyballmag.com and subscribe for one year for only $19.99. Do that now and receive a new water bottle, a $49 value, free compliments of our friends at Naturally Energized Water Bottle Company. Volleyball Mag, the industry's number one volleyball mag. Welcome back to the Net Live here on Volleyball Magazine. We're forgetting us via iTunes. We hope you're enjoying the show. I mean, five years at this point. I think last time I checked, there were 160 some odd episodes up there. We got to do the official math, and we've lost 160 plus because we were at 140 mid mid to late 140s some time ago. And I know we've lost a few in the transition of servers and stuff too. Archived somewhere uh, most of the last four years, but uh, but I can't find we can't find number one. Anybody has number one out there somehow? I remember the day you and Reed reached out and said, "Hey, you want to be a part of the show?" I remember you called in for the first time. Yeah, I didn't in Reed's house. It was hot. We were upstairs. It's, uh, we were in the the little. Oh, uh, we talked a little. Cubby. Was, I think it was about beach. And the next time I was yeah. on was for women's volleyball when I picked Texas, I think, to win the title. And Russ Rose is on hold, waiting to get on. Finally came true. Yep. Yeah. You're just a few years ahead of your time. I've been on the show a long time. That's why we give you a little bonus. Every, you know, like seven straight years. So sooner or later, I had to hit the mother load. <laughs> So we finally gave you a little little bonus money. Not sure what that breaks down to you per know, show. Jeremy were talking about Jeremy and I were talking about this. We really appreciate you and Reed uh the note and a little cash. I just 
why he got a little more than me, one dollar extra. It just <laughs> well, sometimes guys are more important than others, and you got to show that in the money. I agree. Or you just got to rub a little salt. <laughs> I think it's more than salt. <laughs> Dustin, three more years, and you yeah, can, I can get, get a card. And I can get a seven dollar card to start with. Ten dollars for Dustin for showing up. How's the How's the job search going, by the way? It's going hopefully poorly for the benefit of the show. Yeah, if anybody out there is uh, interested in you know just doing something awesome, they should give me a call on the chat board. If anyone else has a couch you can come sit on? Yeah, this uh, Eight hours a day. the blog talk chat board is now actually a job board. So feel free to post. <laughs> I, I just think like, a monster. If I had the cash, there's no question about it. I would hire you to just kind of hang out. Yeah. Uh, talk sports. I, I'm pretty good at all those things. All the pop culture stuff. Great question. Okay, you're you're a big time star, maybe a movie star. Maybe a big-time athlete in a real sport that has I mad cash. Green, I was in the green flash. That has mad cash. <laughs> Beach cakes. So you have you got to put five Beach people in your cake. posse. Who you put in your posse? Who's, who's your, in my posse? Who's your entourage? Oh, man, that's a great question. Is Don on the line so we can get a time that I can think about it for a little bit? No, he's not. Not yet. You got any thoughts right off the bat? I, well, I'm for sure bringing DJ Roche because I've always wanted a DJ to hang out with me. Okay. Uh, be like your personal DJ. Matty O, Matt Unger, for sure. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, you got a pretty good crew. And get me into yeah. everything. You guys have an entourage, don't you? Like, isn't yeah, that crew? Like, yeah. The Paul Mitchell team. Yeah, Goose entourage. and, you yeah. know, Coley. Yeah. I mean, that's. Is Goose in or out? Yeah, Goose is in. Top Matt, five? Okay. Goose it's getting in. crowded. Yeah, Hold on. Matt McGee because that's three got, guys. he's like your real. You only got two spots left, buddy. Tough choices. Matty McGee? In the Coley? Four. I'm going to go with six guys and pressure my brother. Oh, in. cheating. my brother in for sure. Yeah. You got to have that. You're out later. Sponsored oh, by Kelly James. Brought to, you, brought to you by Kelly James. Yeah. Rogue Kelly James could be in my crew. Oh, I want yeah. Kelly James. No, I already got him. He's in mine. He's my. By the way, my boy Max, He likes to, when he's going to bed at night, he puts on a little Kelly James to go sleep. Oh, Kelly James is great. That's his deal. That's his jam. He, speaking of Twitter, he has some awesome tweets from where he is. I mean, he's on a private jet. He's yeah. performing at the Phoenix Open. The Phoenix, how about the Phoenix Open? How about Mickelson? So i got a great story. Crushing really get it. Dawn on. Kelly James, who, for those of you who don't know, is a musician. He grew up in the Bay Area. Look him up uh, on iTunes. He's uh, awesome. He does a lot of the Oakley Pro-Ams. Does a lot of events, including Geter's birthday. Yeah, we've talked about him stuff. He's <laughs> phenomenal. He can just you know, throw out a couple words, and he could just completely sing a four- or five-minute song. Who was it? Him and... Uh, Harsh Memorial Scotty Foundation. Locke. He sings. He does all Him and the lock. Scotty Lane. Just he freestyling. And Zito, he and Barry Zito, the Giants pitcher, great friends, right? Barry Zito's in his wedding, the whole deal. They go to do a song. Uh, uh, they're singing a song on Channel 11 News, morning news. In San Francisco? No, here in L.A. because they're doing a – Oh, they did uh, an event. It's called Strikes for Vets. Yeah, they did an event uh, yeah, on Troubadour like, or something. Yeah, it was, for, it was for military when Barry Zito strikes somebody out. You know, they get a certain amount of money, so they were doing a concert for it. So it's for a great cause. Kelly James and Zito sit down on the set, and, Kelly, they, and Zito plays guitar, and so does Kelly. And Kelly, they sing an amazing song. I think it's Steve Donaldson, whatever the host of the show, because the old guy, he's just like, kind of taps Kelly James on the shoulder. He's not even paying attention to Zito at all, and he's like, "God, you look so you look so young without without the scruff and stuff. You look like you're an 11 year old." And Kelly's kind of like, "Yeah, well, you know, makeup, I guess." And they all kind of laugh and stuff. Mm-hmm. And ask Kelly another question or something. Then all of a sudden, he puts his arm on on Kelly's arm, puts his hand on Kelly's arm, and he goes, "People quit on you in baseball. They quit <laughs> on you." He goes, How did that make you feel? When you're in the World Series, 
and they quit on you. And <laughs> Kelly's looking at the guy like, and Zito just finally raises his head and goes, I think you mean me. He totally thought Kelly J <laughs> was Zito for the entire song and the interview. <laughs> Kelly's looking, like, looking at him going, you know, they gave up on me too. You know, it was really funny. The guy never even looked at Zito. No idea. Now, they're not the same size. Zito's much bigger and looks more like yeah. a baseball player than Kelly James. But it was amazing how he just goes, everyone quit on you. <laughs> In baseball, tried to go full Roy Firestone. The broadcast yeah. nightmare. Oh, the Roy Firestone tear uh, moment. That's, that's the guy yeah, though. Who... And that's when you pull a full Ron Burgie. Uh Are we live? Are we live? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the guy who would make the soup all the time because he got all those bimbos with him in the morning, and he's just super angry because the women around him are going completely off, no clue what's happening. It's just, it's awesome. That that Channel Eleven. I've been uh, I've been seeing Scott Specio around. By the way, speaking of baseball players, Supercross, he's been around the last yeah, couple of weeks. Loves, interesting dude, man. Loves Supercross, lives uh, back in Illinois where Feld is located. And uh, he's just been, it seems like he's drunk all the time. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't think he is. People tell me he's not. But well, he, maybe he's listening he's to the he's drunk. He's had Apparently, he's still on an allowance from his dad. Mm-hmm. But he and his dad having some arguments, so he couldn't get any more money. I will say Tim Salmon says, yes, he's had a lot of issues and problems, but he is a wonderful guy. Like those guys that all played with him. On the he's a great dude. People yeah, love, love him. Love great him. dude. But he's he's having some funny issues. And he's he runs his entire life at the pace of baseball. <laughs> like the, going... the speed of that game is the same speed that things are running. Oh, my God, there it is. When you believe in what you believe in, no matter what happens or what people believe, the ultimate is the ultimate. That's the quote. Ray Lewis. We should all live our lives. Maybe we by should that. rethink how motivational he is. We still have Don's got to call in. He's late. You know, you got to be on the net line. Is there going to be a beach season? That's what I'm interested. Oh, that's a great is question. That Long Beach uh. FIVB going to happen? My definition of a season: eight events. Eight events from one tour. No, just total. Them up. Total. But there's got to be money in it. Okay, cool. Money. Albert says there's a tour, right? Have you talked to Albert lately? Albert has a schedule out. I know. Isn't he in Florida? Saw a bunch of people playing with Albert's balls yesterday. <laughs> that is – cut that. That's a drop right there. That's a drop. Uh, actually, I did see quite a few people down on the beach, you know, training <laughs> yeah. last week. You're like – yeah. And oh, I, for what? I, I, stopped, I, stopped, day. I ride my bike by. I stopped Ferbs. I talked to Ferbs. I talked to... What's Ferbs going to do? He yeah, said exactly. he's playing. He said he's, he's playing, playing more FIVB. I talked to him after... Uh, saw, one of uh Andy McGuire, one of the younger guys, playing with yeah. Joey Dykstra. I said, what are you, what are you training for? I saw for? Andy McGuire doing cut shots by himself. Yeah, self-toss, cut shot. <laughs> yeah. I saw Frodo. The other day. It's Frodo Baggins. <laughs> I love that kid. <laughs> he has hairy feet. No, he's got just like the look. He's so good. I mean, when you're by yourself doing self-toss cutties, do you yell, Sark, when you're in the air and just cut? Like, what do you do? Nobody gets Matteo's cutty. Corey Glaive telling me it's going to be under eight events, and I believe him. Uh, That's if you count NBL as as professional. I'll go with six. I'd be happy. I'll do do four of them. They can have them. My guess is four four Cuervos, but they're not called Cuervos. Uh, Got to get a couple of Donald Sun events. Donald Sun events. Sousa events? Sousa tequila? Yeah, switch tequilas. See, I, Patron. The mean event is you got to pay out through 17th, even if it's only a few hundred bucks, but the winner's got to get NBL? five grand each. That's a, that, that's that's a tournament. Is me. NVL qualifying under your, your rules? I don't know. I don't know the breakdown. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what, what NVL can put together. I mean, they they have they obviously have some ball sales. I've seen guys down there training with them. And not, not just professional folks, but like random folks. It's got a lot of drops. 
a lot of ball sales going on. All right, let's go go to some music here, Jeremy. Do we have Don in the house? We got him. The coach? He's kind of a rising star in the game, isn't he? Yeah, he's a kid from uh, Illinois. Went to Iowa State. I want to ask about his club experience at Iowa State. Is that a Mount Prospect, Illinois, I've as a matter of fact? I would be great if a lot of those big-time programs had men's volleyball. Michigan. Well, this man Iowa played State, at Iowa State for the club team, and he coached it at the same time. It's like Bill Russell. Is he like Bill Russell? Did he was he Bill a- Russell. Player coach? Then he volunteered at Iowa State. And then he went on to be a grad assistant for two years at Ohio and two years as an assistant. On April 17, 2012, he became the head coach at Kent State. He likes things with state in the name. Yeah. He's just down with state. Since you're building the program, I like it. He's got a four-year deal through 2015. Please welcome to the Net Live. For the first time as part of the ABCA Coaches Corner, Don Gromala. What's up, Don? How are you guys doing? We're doing well. Hey, man, it's Geeter. I got the first question. Did you coach yourself at Iowa State? <laughs> I, I sure did, and I, I always made myself the starter, which was great. That's weird. That's- Awesome. Like if you were struggling to side out, would you yank yourself? Yeah, did you bench yourself? Yeah. How many? <laughs> uh, no, I don't know if that ever happened. Uh, I did pretty well for myself. <laughs> I'd like to allow myself to award myself best yeah. player MVP. Don, we all played men's volleyball here, so we're we're like big men's volleyball fans. What was it like playing at? I've always wondered. Like, did you play against Texas and some of those schools? Because I've always said I, I, I wish men's volleyball teams were out there in terms of Division One. Yeah, you know, it was uh, really competitive. We played in a uh, for for NURSA, the NURSA division, and played in championships. So we played Texas, we played Michigan, we played the Big Tens of the world for men's club volleyball. Um, we had our own conference, the Midwest Ten, but it was uh, really competitive, and it was a really good time. A great group of guys and uh, friends that I've had for life. Don, I know Geeter wants to talk men's volleyball, and I'm do. down I'm with it. But but this, this is a corner. We got to right, talk right. about what we're <laughs> out. You know, maybe one of our convention shows. Don, this is Coach's Corner, and we want to talk to coaches taking over programs and being a part of uh, trying to change cultures. And for you, you not only took over a program, but it was the head coach. What was the first Uh, Sorry, guys, I'm losing you for a second here. You wouldn't be the first guy. <laughs> oh, sorry, there we go. What's the first thought went through your head when you got the job at Kent State? Uh, I mean, I was extremely excited just about the opportunity, knowing uh, the reputation that youth volleyball had in the Cleveland area, um, and just Ohio in general. There's you know 13 Division One schools, um, and it's one of the largest uh, participation sports for uh, juniors volleyball or states for juniors volleyball. Oh, I thought you were going to say something else. No. Hello. How much did you know about Kent State and the players when you stepped into the gym for the first time? Um, I actually knew uh, uh, plenty about them. They were participating in a spring event at Ohio State when I was the assistant. So uh, they, we actually played against them, and uh, I don't know if they knew, but I was interviewing for the job <laughs> that next day. Now, when it comes to integrating yourself with the players, obviously bringing your own ideas to the table, what did you do with the players? With them individually? Did you meet with them as a group? What was your plan for exposing them to what you wanted to accomplish with your program at Kent State? Yeah, you know, right off the bat, it was all about team. Um, we wanted to get the team together and work on some team dynamic issues. Uh, just kind of right off the bat, all, all of our practices, I was with the team for about a week for practices, and it was all 
team system oriented stuff, not really individual. We want to focus on the team as a whole, um, getting prepared for that incoming fall since we had seven uh, in- new incoming players this fall. How about integrating those new players and how many of those players were yours? How many of those players were there from previous commitments? Right. Uh, they were all uh, previously recruited from the previous staff, so I didn't have anybody this past fall that was someone that I brought in. Uh, in particular, we did have one walk-on that we took on. Um, but we did do a, a little team retreat to start off the season. We went down to a state park here in Ohio, um, did a little bit of playing at a local high school, but a lot of team-building activities uh, just so the girls got to know each other. Since we had such a big uh, influx of, of new players, we had seven newcomers and seven returners, so half the team uh, was brand new. Don, what attracted you uh, to Kent State? What was a, what was the reason for you to say, "Hey, this is where I want to start my head coaching career"? Uh, besides the, like I said, the the strength of volleyball up in the area, just the conference is great. I've been in the MAC before, uh, so I knew what it takes to be successful in the MAC conference, which is an extremely strong conference with great players and great coaches. Um, but the university itself is just kind of a growing university. The athletics department is extremely successful. We've got a top 10 baseball team that was just in the College World Series last year. Football team had the best year in 40 years. Uh, so they definitely have a, a great name up here in Northeast Ohio. Is it fun for you to be a part of that women's volleyball program but also get excited about the baseball team and go to the football games? I know that that's, that's a big part of being a part of the university. Uh- culture and being a part of a sports program. Oh, oh, yeah, it's great. I mean, even other programs overall, basketball has been in the Elite uh Gymnastics team has is, is hosted an NCAA championship, so there's a lot of, lot of uh, strong, successful people uh, here in Kent. Don, we've seen coaches choose to keep people on from the previous staff, in some cases for some continuity. You brought in an entirely new staff. How did you go about building your staff and putting together that plan? Yeah, you know, the the biggest thing I think for me was um, bringing in people that, that I knew and respected and that uh, kind of believed in what the vision of the program uh, was going to be. You know, people that were hardworking and passionate and, and love the sports. That's kind of how I am. I'm, I'm, I call myself a little bit of a volleyball dork, um, <laughs> being a Midwest boy. And uh, so I wanted people that had been successful, you know, at a high level and knew what it took, the hard work and com- time commitment it took to to change of culture here at Kent. A volley dork. You can put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> but uh, you and Barnett have a lot in common, though, then. <laughs> Good quality stock right there, Have you ever buddy. listened to the show before, Don? Uh, I've, I've listened to it once or twice in the past. I can't recall what it was for, but I know I, I remember clicking on uh, the blog talk radio uh, in the years past. I can't remember how he got stuck listening to it. Is the Good appropriate answer. way to <laughs> about that workload how do you divide the workload up between you and your staff you have kim on staff there and you also have steve bailey yeah you know it pretty much came down i think to their their strengths you know steve's been coaching uh club for a while and actually was head coach at kishwaukee community college so he kind of knew the ins and outs of running a program um and in and knows the club game from coaching club and being successful so he's kind of kind of taken over the recruiting parts where, where kim's background is I've been a, a extremely successful libero uh, in the Big Ten, and um, so we've used her with helping with training our defense, but also her experiences outside of volleyball with her marketing uh, experiences for a job. We kind of use that kind of with what we're doing uh, to promote our program, to build a program for the future. Hey, Don, as a new head coach in a in a program like this, what sort of say or, or input do you have about uh, starting a, a women's sand program, or is that something that's completely from your view? 
Yeah, you know, it's 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 kind of funny that you asked that when I when I came in and our our ID Joel Nielsen, he's uh, Joel's been around for about two years. He said, you know, I talked to the president, and this was around the Olympics, and he said, I really love watching the Misty Main Kerry Walsh. Do we have a sand program? <laughs> and I was like, well, that would be great. Uh, we can if the president wants it, we'll do whatever he says. But I think it's going to take. Uh, um, some resources for all these Midwest programs to be able to to have the facilities to make it successful. I think it'd be great um, for volleyball in the Midwest. I know uh, myself, I, sand was a big part of when I was growing up and when I was playing um, and competing indoors. I was playing sand volleyball whenever I could at North Avenue Beach, and uh, so I think it'd be great if it could get out here. But I think it's going to take some time. But I'm excited to see how it's growing uh, in the South and in the West. North Avenue Beach, by the way. Did you ever go play at Four Lakes? I sure have. Yep. Yeah, four lakes, baby. Don, last year you guys were six and twenty-two. What's going to be different about this next year? Uh, I think just the expectations are different. The kids are understanding like what it takes uh, to change a program, to change a mentality. It's you know it's not just doing what's expected. It's kind of um, going above and beyond. So they're starting to to understand that to, to be better. You know we got such a strong conference, some um, some great teams, great programs in history. Um, you can't just be average and expect them to lay down and give us victories. We got to earn them. So that's what we're trying to do here in our in our off season in the weight room, getting ourselves stronger and in the gym as well. Don, what's the what's the goal of the program? Some goals is national championships, some it's final four, some sweet sixteen, some to get in the NCAA. Build the program. What's the goal for you guys and in, in, in these ladies into that 2013 season? You know, I think the first one is for us is getting into that MAC tournament to get that shot to win that and make the NCAA tournament. But uh, we like to start small. You know, we focus game by game. I know every every coach probably says that to, to sound like they're saying the right thing, but it's really what we do. Um, we might talk a little bit in preseason about where we'd like to be at the end, but it's all a game by game process. So, you know, we we would love to be in that tournament and be battling for a chance to get to the NCAA tournament in 2013. Nice. Don Gramala, head coach at Kent State, guy took over a program, and great things are expected. Don, thanks very much for being Hold a part on, of the show. Oh, who, who's, yeah. your, who's your biggest rival? Our biggest rival is Akron, no doubt. We've got uh, there is a wagon wheel challenge between the school for every sport that plays, and it's a heated battle. They're only about uh, 15 minutes west of here. You now, win a wagon wag- wheel? Yeah, do you actually get it? Uh, the football, football do whoever wins, they get to host, uh, have the wagon wheel and every team that wins gets to mark a rung on the wheel. Did, did you beat them? Uh, we lost this year. We'll get them next year. Let us know if you want the net live to come out there for that match. I we would love absolutely to be there. Homer for you and guarantee a victory. That sounds good to me. Let's bring you guys out. Go, go flashes. Sounds good. Go flashes. There you go. Thanks, Don Grimaldo. We appreciate you calling and being a part of the ABCA coaches Thanks, corner. Good luck. Thank next. you guys. All right. Checking Another in. good young coach out there. Yeah, Don Gramala, uh, on the personal side here, engaged to Meredith Rice from uh, Pierce. There's the Kevin, that? Kevin Barnett. Uh, L.A. Pierce. Yeah, I, I know you. her very well. And he played at Four Lakes. She's awesome. I didn't realize that. Are you sure? I used to go out to Four Lakes I don't and get know. some sets. I might just be making stuff up. I used to go out to uh, Four Lakes, get a few sets in. It was awesome. Yeah, don't let 6-22 and 22 fool you. It's always that first year is tough. You're trying to change culture. Like I said, he doesn't have any of his own players. First year is not easy. He'll do a good job there. No I wish Jeremy had provided you that information earlier. You guys could have talked about it. Yeah. Oh, well. She's fantastic. I used to coach against her. She's she's great people. Hey, that's what Pierce people are, great people. I've seen Don around doing his recruiting. He's a good dude. He knows what he's doing. Let's he's going to be here. just fine there. Younger coach, to, like you said. Can we get the music flowing here? 
We believe we have two people on the phone that are just chomping at the bit because they're going to run oh. this next segment. Who? Break time. With the continued audio issues Who? here on the Net Live. Who's coming on? Jay and Mike are our correspondents Sweet. for I'm College Volleyball Weekly. Our version of the Harbowl. <laughs> the American Volleyball Coaches Association is kind enough to sponsor the College Volleyball Weekly, a review of what was and a preview of what will be in the world of college volleyball. Still the men, and it's still crazy town. You never know who's going to win night tonight. The number one team lost again, but they stayed at number one. Welcome in, Jay and Mike. New poll just out. Gentlemen, BYU stays atop the rankings despite their loss to Long Beach State, although Long Beach State moved way up to number three from number seven. Sondheimer, what the heck is going on with these number ones? Well, what's interesting is in most polls, in most sports, when number one loses, they usually drop from number one. But the nice thing about the MPSF and the balance is that everybody's got at least two wins in the conference. Everybody has a shot at making the MPSF tournament. And as a given night, I mean, look at Hawaii losing five the first night to Stanford. Stanford's going to be number one in the country then win the second night. And Hawaii comes back and beats them in five. And Stanford's not number one or two or three this week. Yeah, it's a little bit of crazy town happening. Penn State, Jay. Tell us about the EVA this past week. Well, first of all, I want to say that that was holding last night uh, on the final play of the game. I'm surprised that the officials did not get that correctly. But, you know, <laughs> saying nothing else about that. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I first, though, want to talk about uh, Hawaii beating Stanford. Hawaii seems to have made some lineup changes that – Earlier in the year, they were not utilizing. And uh, kudos to the to the boys from the island for Charlie Wade uh, doing picking great. up yeah picking up some good wins against good quality teams. And uh, always stoked to hear that. And um, yeah, for us, we played uh, a couple of teams from the conference Carolinas, uh, up and coming conference that next year will be uh, fighting for a bid for the uh, for the final four. Uh, played Pfeiffer, which was last year's champion, uh, beat them in three, and then uh, we played Mount Olive the next night. Mount Olive is a good team. Uh, you know, don't don't let the names fool you. I think it's it's real easy for people to make judgments, uh, especially against teams that are from no-name schools. But lest we all forget, years ago when Cal Baptist started, they were not very good either, uh, and it took them a few years to be able to pick that program up. So uh, we beat uh, beat Mount Olive in three, but it was not an easy task. They are very good. Got a couple of live arms on the pins. And, um, yeah, got away with that one. And now we got a couple of big matches coming up this week. Jay, come on now. You know, you talk about that. <laughs> Pfeiffer and Mount Olive, yes, powerhouses. Still contends. Hey, hey, Cal Baptist was in the same boat. You guys all make fun of it. I'm telling Cal you Cal right Baptist now. is very good. But when you get a couple of foreigners and a couple of overage people, you can be very, very good. Well, that's kind of where that's kind of where they are right now in the Division Two Conference Carolinas. They got a couple of foreign players. They got a couple of guys that are a little older, and there's you know they're putting up some good teams. It's not a bad team to face. So well, when I, you lose the Pfeiffer, you won't be coming in the office the next day. I understand. <laughs> well, listen, in a couple of years or a few years, that may be the case. You don't know. They've got full four and a half scholarships, guys. They're going to be doing some good things. I, I highly encourage you to not not. Knock them down. They are not bad teams. I'm not knocking them down. I'm knocking Penn State down. They can't whip them out quick. Oh, ooh. Four and a half scholarships and also Brazilians that have been playing five years professionally before deciding to go to school. Well, maybe maybe not quite five, Barney, but uh, maybe one. That's part of the rules. You can do that in Division Two. It's the, it's the bastion wasteland of NCAA rules. You can do it almost wherever you want. That's definitely true. Mike, yeah. better than the NFL for you. What yeah. about... And according to the ABCA, they defeated USC 
I saw I saw that. The all four all four games were listed in the paper as them winning. I thought that was impressive. <laughs> in this day and age, to be able to yeah, you know, be able if you win the first three to come back and dominate the fourth, I thought that was very impressive. Hey, let's talk about uh first year Miva uh team Lindenwood beating IPFW, Arnie's Army in three one for their first ever Miva win. Congratulations to Linwood. Yeah, Lindenwood Another looks like division- a powerhouse. Another Division Two team, by the way, guys. Yeah, I mean the uh, Division Twos, but their rule advantages. Um, you know, you got Lewis, which I think is going to end up eventually winning the Miva. Those Division Twos, um, and again, Pfeiffer is going to be coming along, I'm sure. But if there's some rule advantages in Division Two. Cal Baptist has got the same advantage. Is there yeah. any way we can get it changed to the Weva like it used to be? <laughs> <laughs> hey, by the way, you guys mentioned the lights out situation at the Bren Center. You guys got to remember the lights out situation at Rec Hall that happened a few years ago. I don't know that one. That was a little out of my. Uh, it was unbelievable. Yeah, that was. Uh, it was. Uh, yeah, Irvine against the Irvine Rose. National Championship. Yep. <laughs> and then they sprayed the ball out of bounds, right? It was something like that. Yeah, no, that was the case. No, Mr. Holt went back, and Max Holt served an ace after all that time. Twenty fifteen, thirteen, and the fifth. Sandy, of course, would remember that. New poll just out: BYU number one, UC Irvine number two, Long Beach State three, Stanford Pepperdine are your top five. Then it's UCLA, Penn State, Cal, Ohio State, and Cal State Northridge hanging on somehow. Oh, look at the look at the Matadors! Hey, right now Alan Knipe is my coach of the year. He's learned a heck of a lot at the Olympics. He's come back, re put together Long Beach State, and he's done some amazing things the last couple of weeks. It's not easy winning up in BYU, and that's uh, that's a good win for the Definitely come back and do that. It's really impressive with that. Yeah, with what they've what they've done, and then like I say, Charlie Wade's got a couple lineup changes, and Hawaii's got a week off, and then they come in and play UCLA twice. And right now, Hawaii beat UCLA the first time. They're playing really well. They yeah, got five votes off the strength of their trip here. I think there was uh, some talk. We had John Kessel in here last week talking up Cody Kessel. They went up and, and Cody's because they, they went out beat Santa Barbara and Santa Barbara they beat San Diego. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm telling you, anybody can beat anybody this year. And don't anybody exactly. sleep on Princeton and don't sleep on Harvard. They're both good teams. John Olmstead getting the Santa Barbara job for women. Sandy. I have no idea. He's a candidate. I'm, I don't know what Santa Barbara's doing. I mean, they've got a lot of good candidates. A lot of, I mean, they, I know they had over 50 applications for that job rolling in. And, I mean, I'm surprised Kevin Barnett's not in there or Chris McGee. No, is, that the, is that the job that it once was? Is that a, is that a good job, Geeter or Barney? I you still see Santa Barbara? I think, I think it could be a great job. Yeah, I think it could be a great job because great of place location. Great place to be. I think you can yeah. win. But they better get you a house, though. You're not going to be able yeah, to afford I've, anything. I've heard in terms of financial and, uh, you know, what they pay and, you know where the school is and stuff in terms of uh, their volleyball financial structure. I, I I think it's not a great job, but it definitely is a great job in terms of its location and your ability to recruit there. Yeah. Jay, Jay, let me ask you this because this came up. We were discussing an assistant coach job here at Loyola Marymount, or yep. the ability of Nina Matthews retiring at Pepperdine, and and someone trying to fill that position. It seems. Are like you a- asking me if I want one of those jobs? No, no. <laughs> We'd love to have Mount in the West Coast. <laughs> In the studio, be great. In the studio all the time. My question becomes: for some of these schools, the expectation is they want to win. Mm-hmm. They want an experienced coach to head their program. Yet they don't want to pay the money that's necessary exactly. to live in these places for experienced coaches who have wide yep. 
and families. Yeah, how are you yeah. going to make you grand square grand those things? Grand a year live in Santa Barbara. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's, I think that's the, the million-dollar question is, you know, these schools, they have champagne taste, but they've got beer budgets. And it's unfortunate that you have a place like Santa Barbara, that you have a place like Loyola Marymount, where, and Pepperdine for that matter, where you, you've got uh, not only name recognition with the university, but you, you've got the ability to recruit good kids, and they've got history and tradition. But when you are not willing to pay the coaching staff what they deserve in order to make that program be the place they want to stay, you're just going to have this constant turnover, and it's, it's, it's not going to be good for your program, and then you're going to be constantly frustrated. I, I don't know what um, you know the correct pay scale is for Santa Barbara, but I've got to imagine in order for your head coach to feel secure and know that they don't have to stress out about doing much, it's got to be in the, in the mid-six figures. It has to be. I'm available for slightly less. <laughs> yeah, the problem is you don't have football and you don't have a big basketball conference, which is what affects you know Loyola and affects Pepperdine, affects Santa Barbara. It's hard to have pay out that kind of money. I mean, even well, the basketball yeah. coach, it's hard to pay out that kind of money, and that's it's hard. I mean, even Division One, when you have them, you have to you know balance out your money with your football and basketball programs, and it's like you pay what's you know it's comparable. You don't worry so much about the living as you pay what's comparable to the rest of your conference and other things in your market, and that's what makes it very very tough in those situations sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I, I talked to Ron Larson. So Ron Larson's excited about going to Loyola as assistant coach. Is, is he the one that got hired for that job? He's what he told me Saturday night at the UCLA game. They're announcing it, and he's got. I mean, a tip for everybody in the volleyball network. He told me. He told me Saturday he's going to Loyola assistant coach. That's a gigantic really? hire for Tom Black. That is a great hire for Tom. I know he's going to be awesome there. Leaving, yeah, he's wow. going to be an awesome hire. So he's going to be really, wow. really good there. Congratulations to Tom. Nice win. Or nice poll. Here on the net live, What's right that? there. Breaking news: Ron Larson, assistant mm-hmm. coach, Marymount. But yes. but see, your Spanish Ron Larson is an unusual individual because he doesn't have the obligations of family and kids anymore. He just yeah. And it's tough to find that person. There's only a few of those out there. If you want excellence, you're going to have to pony up some cash for some of these schools. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. Or you get the coveted 30 under 30 award, which really, you know, just a disservice to anybody over that age because they put in the years and the and the time to get to, you know, earn a, a reputation as a coach. There's, there's, who knows why certain ADs hire certain coaches? It just is what it is. BYU listed as number one. UC Irvine listed as number two. They are actually tied with points 239 apiece. Eight first-place votes going to BYU, seven to UC Irvine. And again, somebody voted Penn State number one. You know it's not us. You know you can't vote for yourself. I don't know why you keep saying that. I, I don't dislike you guys. I just wonder how you're ranked number one. But anyways. Remember the year Marv voted Penn State, Marv voted Penn, Ohio State number one every week. So <laughs> Hey, maybe Sandy voted. He voted for us to be Penn State. You know, Sandy loves us. I All voted right. for Irvine. Something <laughs> <laughs> to look forward to. I've been, I've been voting Irvine every week. So. <laughs> we'll um, find out. Irvine, Irvine plays at Stanford Friday. We'll find out how good Irvine is Friday. Uh, here's my picks for the week that I want to watch. I want to watch BYU UCLA. I want to watch Irvine Stanford and Ohio State's coming into our house this weekend. That's always a good matchup. So those are the three that I'm going to be looking at. Well, going off your early thing, Jay, I think the match I want to look at is what UCLA does with Cal Baptist. Cal Baptist has beaten UC Irvine. They've beaten other teams, and UCLA is going to have to play that match before they get to BYU, and it's a crucial match in what's going to happen in the second half of the MPSF is UCLA on the road. Cal Baptist is very tough at home. Well, in, in the words of or tone of what you guys are saying, Cal Baptist, who's Cal Baptist? Some little Division II school? Got a bunch of Brazilians. 
Ah, uh, yes. You see how it all comes around full circle. Cabral is an outstanding pin hitter. <laughs> They're very good. Cal Baptist is a very good team. And somewhere down the line, Conference Carolina's teams are going to be in the same league. I understand. It just kills me that they're getting an automatic bid into a four-team tournament. That's absurd. Well, that's that's not the choice of every school out there. Every choice would like to have six or eight. It's going to take this kind of a you know two or three-year cycle now where they're going to get their bid to get in, uh, and people are not going to be happy. And so the only way that change gets made is when somebody starts banging on the door going, hey, this is unacceptable, uh, and you know then things will start moving. But until then, somebody's going to go down, and it's not going to be happy. Okay. Well, someone's at BYU is close enough. They can now say they're going to be in the Carolina Conference and play over there. <laughs> they could make the shift, and you know, and you know, what's McCall? The Big West, unfortunately, kind of blew things apart there when they joined into the West Coast Conference. They could have been that conference that uh, broke apart from the MPSF and then started creating some movement earlier. So, unfortunately, we create the we... Grand Canyon BYU rivalry and put them both in the Midwest and move teams around. We could you know, move all the move all the Southern ones into the Midwest. We could have three super conferences. You could do that. That would be awesome. I'd like to see some movement like that, actually. Okay. So all the money's there, like in the basketball. I mean, we could do that. Let's move all the conferences. <laughs> hey, you're talking to Doug Beal here next, Barney. Why don't you ask him what he thinks? Hey, let's just be clear that if you go to a four-team tournament, you're going to have one representative from 11 of the top 15, one representative from the top six nationally. You're going to have Conference Carolina, who doesn't even get a vote for anything in here, not one single vote. And then you're going to have the MIVA and the EVA, which basically is the two teams. Whose fault is that, Barney? Well, whose fault is that? Whoever decided that the Conference Carolinas would get an automatic bid without it already being a six-team tournament. Don't don't you want more men's teams to have an, uh, to start up? But so the the object of the game here is you're telling me you're going to ruin the product in order to get more teams in the product? I don't understand how... You're, you're not ruining the product. What you're doing is you're expanding the horizons and you're making the NCAA see that there's got to be a better option than what we have now. Al Skates, when he started you know, with this whole thing with the NCAA years ago, said, we made a mistake. We should have asked for eight teams out of the gate. Unfortunately, they only asked for four. And so when there's no shift and teams were folding, the NCAA didn't give a crap about it. And so now that you're seeing expansion, all of a sudden, everybody He's getting anxious and excited. They need to start seeing some movement. So this is the time to strike while the iron's hot. We need to expand now. And every coach uh, unilaterally across the board is in support of expanding it to six or hopefully eight teams. All right. Fine. (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand why you're so upset, Barney. I know your team hasn't been in for a little while, but the last time they were, they did, did okay. <laughs> Disadvantage. That's about Barney it. and Geeter, it depends on the TV contract and how many get matches they can do if this expands. That's the only That's way true. they'll agree. That is the only true. way they'll agree. That would be fine. All right. Mike and Jay, thanks very much. As you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Have a good week. We'll see you next time. All right. Later on. Jay and Mike checking out College Volleyball Weekly. Usual good segment there. I know Doug Beal has been trying to give us a call in. He'll be on in just a second. Let's take a, a real quick break here, Jeremy. We'll be right back, hopefully, with Doug Beal, CEO, Chief Executive Officer of USA Volleyball. The Net Live is brought to you by the Spire Institute, integrating sports and education, training and learning, performance and competition like no place on earth. SpireInstitute.org. Now.
See, I even knew that one too, Jeremy. I'm two for two today. You don't have a mic? You can't contradict me. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. Hope you're getting the show via iTunes or listening live here on Blog Talk Radio or on demand at VBMag. Jeremy, we have uh, our next guest on the line, we hope. I'm trying to call in from Colorado Springs, where he sits at the head of the table for a company that's on the way up. Just bought a brand new building. Right there on Sinton Road off I-25 in Colorado Springs. He's been a player. He's been a coach. He's been a coach again. You know, he's been the CEO for some time. If you've had any touch with USA Volleyball in the past 15 years, you've heard this name, Doug Beal. Oh, you want to bring him in, Jeremy? Doug, are you there? I am. Can you hear me? Oh, we can. Thanks Absolutely. very much for uh, taking the time to join us here on the show. And I mentioned some of the, the things with USA Volleyball, the new building going on. You guys have had increased support for different programming. Just give us a quick overview of the direction of the organization. It seems like uh, it's a place the organization hasn't been in a while. And if I think back to 1997, a place that people maybe didn't think it would be at. Uh, yeah, I appreciate the introduction. Um you know, things are pretty good, I think, with USA Volleyball. Uh, as you mentioned, um, we're just finishing up uh, about a year uh, ha- after having moved into uh, a new headquarters building. Uh, we're in a in a pretty good place, uh, I think, financially and uh, programmatically. Uh, this is the first time that um, USA Volleyball has been able to afford uh, to own our own headquarters building. Um, we, uh, we've worked on this, I think for a number of years, it, it gives us some, uh, some pretty unique opportunities, uh, for expansion. We expect we can be in this, uh, facility, uh, for quite a while. Um, and right now we're, we're not only, uh, here ourselves, but, um, we have enough space that we've, uh, we've been able to lease out a part of the building to three other national governing bodies. Uh, and so we have some opportunities for some best practices and shared services uh, that make being in Colorado Springs and being connected to the uh, U.S. Olympic Committee and about 20 other national governing bodies uh, uh, such a great location for us. So it's um, it's a very positive move for us. I think um, our staff is pretty energized. It's um, it's certainly. Uh, a different environment than we've ever been located in before. Doug, you mentioned the direction of USA Volleyball and the fact that you're there with the USOC. How about the direction of the USOC, another organization that's had its ups and downs in the last decade? You know, from our perspective, um, I think the the United States Olympic Committee has has perhaps never been in a better spot than it is today. Um, they also uh, recently moved into new uh, new location in downtown Colorado Springs. Uh, it's it's quite a significant uh, office building and presence in this community. 
um, I mentioned a few minutes ago the, the number of national governing bodies that are here, as well as a number of other Olympic and sports-related properties. Um, you know, uh, USADA is here and uh, the National Strength and Conditioning Association. So in addition uh, to all the, the national governing bodies in the U.S. Olympic Committee, this is really um, a sports community. Uh, I think uh, some of the directions of the USOC um, are, are pretty relevant not only to volleyball, but just the direction of the Olympic movement uh, collectively. Uh, I'm sure most of the people listening will be familiar that the USOC is um, is exploring pretty seriously uh, another um, another bid for the Olympic Games, and it would appear that that, that will happen the bid, not necessarily the success, but I think that's enormous uh, for the Olympic movement and certainly for the Olympic movement in the United States. Um, just a, a lot of different initiatives. Uh, the Olympic Committee is much more involved in international relations and international outreach. Um, this entire area of safe sport is a huge uh, initiative by the Olympic Committee. Um, the, the recent uh, signing by NBC to extend uh, their relationship as the U.S. broadcaster of the Olympics has generated uh, significant dollars for the USOC. So it's um, it's a healthy organization. I think the leadership of uh, Scott Blackman uh, is exceptional. Uh, I, I think he prioritizes the relationship with the national governing bodies um, in, in as positive and, and as high profile a way as any current leader. So it's um, things are quite good, I think, within the Olympic movement and certainly the success in London and the recent Olympic Games um, is just one part of that, but, but a very significant part. Hey, Doug, it's Geeter. I know you probably get asked this a lot, but where are you guys right now in terms of your search uh, for a new men's coach? He's getting right to the heart of stuff. Um, <laughs> a little more, geez. <laughs> Butted him up a little more before he hit him over the head. <laughs> yeah, that's an important decision for us, and um, uh, you know, I, honestly, I'm disappointed that uh, we haven't been able to um, to finalize that. Uh, even at this point, uh, we're, we're searching very widely. We're trying to, uh, uh, I don't know, to not leave any stone unturned. I guess would be the, the best way to describe it. Um, it's one of the most important decisions we make. Uh, we want to be thoughtful, but we certainly uh, want to move as quickly as we possibly can. And I, um, I've set some deadlines be, be in the past, and, I, and I've not met them, so I'm not sure that that's a good idea. Um, but I certainly want to make this happen uh, very, very quickly. Uh, we, we want the teams to uh, to have that leadership. Uh, you know, we're delighted with uh, what Karch is doing right now, and. He's engaged in uh, filling out his staff, um, but but a very high priority is to is to get this uh, the men's coach selected, and and hopefully it'll happen very quickly. Why is it such a challenge to find a candidate to take on that position? Uh, other than the fact that it's an extraordinarily difficult job, um, I, I think I'm just going to be repeating stuff that most people know, but. Um, the, the 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 one aspect that maybe a lot of people don't think about is the uh, the growth and the success and the expansion of 
coaching the coaching profession I think in this country generally both on the men's side as well as the women's side uh, I think a lot of people are familiar perhaps with uh, with the women's professional growth and and the um, oh the resources that are available and the priority that the uh, that the schools are placing on the on the women's volleyball program but it's not much different really on the men's side and so these jobs are are tough to leave, and that's the most obvious population uh, for uh, for candidates. So it's it's a challenge to um, to get somebody who's really secure doing a, a terrific job at a university uh, to consider leaving that. It's risky. It's hard to know that if they can re-enter the uh, that marketplace um, when when their stint uh, with the national team might be done. Um, I think it's very difficult to uh, to expect a national team coach to think beyond the immediate quad, um, the, the time commitment, the energy, the pressure. Uh, it's a it's a very very difficult job, and so um, and and in the United States, perhaps a little more difficult or a little more unique, at least than other parts uh, around the world. We don't have a professional league. Uh, it's hard to uh, to share perhaps um, your professional life as, as other countries can do uh, with with coaching a professional club team uh, during the uh, uh, during the, the sort of the non international season. So I think there's a lot of unique situations uh, in the United States. Having said that, uh, I also think we have a remarkable population of. Uh, Extremely talented and uh, and very successful coaches. So there's no, I don't know, there's no lack of of uh, credible candidates. It's just finding the the right person in the right situation in their own career and their family, location wise, etc. Uh, that meets our needs. I've talked with quite a few people about this, and some folks who might even be in the conversation. And one of the things that keeps coming up is just the dollars. It, couldn't you just overpower a lot of what you just talked about by simply making it a simply well-paid job? Well, first, it, it is a well-paid job, I think. And without you know sharing, I guess, uh, specific financial details, I think in, in the world that exists right now in professional volleyball coaching it's a very well-paid job uh, I think it I think it goes far beyond that though Kevin I think to uh, as I said just to find uh, the the right time in a coach's life uh, relative to maybe their children's age or how long they've been at a particular uh, location or um, I don't know their experience level uh, you know and finding somebody that's had some international exposure. Uh, almost everybody that I talk to who are very eager and interested in the position talk about the enormous differences between even the highest level of collegiate coaching and coaching our national team. Um, it, it's a cup, you know, it's a different world that you're operating in. But really the, the tough part is, is simply making that jump uh, from all the um, I guess perspectives that go into you know what's best for you, what's best for your family, what's best for your career, um, and and then there's some unknowns. Um, if you're coming from a very successful environment, uh, jumping into another one that you might not have as much 
um, experience with is risky. And, um, you know, I get all that. Uh, and so we're just, uh, we're just trying to find the right, the right match, uh, for, uh, for a U.S. men. Doug, what's the feeling of possibly looking to, you know, worldwide in a coaching search in terms of hiring a foreigner as opposed to an American? You know, we do that actually, um, pretty extensively. Uh, I, there, there's no lack of, uh, of interested foreign coaches who contact me quite regularly. Um, I think it would take um, a very special individual with um, certainly unique language skills, but also understanding, uh, I think, the unique nature of, of the volleyball world in the United States. Um, I travel quite a bit, and I engage with lots of uh, extremely good and, and very successful coaches all over the world. Um, and with very few exceptions, they really don't know intimately um, what, what it would be like to coach in the United States. Um, so I'm not excluding that as a possibility, but it, it's, it, it's certainly... Um, no secret that my priority would be to, to find the very best qualified American to coach uh, uh, the U.S. national teams. Is this an eight-year position, do you feel, or are you guys offering a four-year contract or a two-year contract? How does it play out? Uh, I think it's very difficult to to offer an eight-year deal. It's pretty, it's pretty risky to offer uh, an unqualified four-year commitment. Um, we've we've arrived at, a, at I think a, um, a contract structure that's um, uh, that, that allows us to feel comfortable uh, from uh, the management perspective, and also allows the successful coach to be uh, comfortable uh, that they have uh, the backing of the federation, and yet. If it doesn't work out for them for any number of reasons, it might have nothing to do with performance. Um, they can get out of it. We could get out of it. But fundamentally, yeah, I think it's a four-year commitment. Um, you, you need to do some planning uh, that um, requires, I think, a long-term commitment by the association. Uh, and we have historically been very cautious about making changes uh, in between uh, a quadrennial or during a quadrennial. You know, could it be an eight-year deal? Gosh, that would be wonderful. And certainly we've had uh, a number of, of national team coaches, both men and women, that have uh, coached more than a quad. But, boy, in today's world, longevity is, is a, rare, a rarer commodity. Um, and so we're, we're certainly not asking somebody to commit for eight years uh, if they do a great job, they're comfortable, it's a good fit, boy, we'd, we'd love to keep them as long as we possibly can. And, and, and frankly, I have no hesitation um, in saying that I, I hope that works out with Karch. I think that's um, a very attractive element of, uh, of why he's such a good fit right now uh, on the women's side. You're listening to NetLive. We're talking to USA Volleyball CEO Doug Beal. And, Doug, you bring up Karch. When is his first performance review, and how goes the search for uh, for assistant coaches? It seems like he would be just in the thick of building his plan for this next year. Yeah, he he is, of course, and there there are almost no players right now in residence. But uh, 
you know, I, I'm re- relatively uh, continuously amazed at, at some of the things, amazed and impressed with um, with Karch's behavior and, and how he operates. Um, so he's been working almost daily, nonstop, since we hired him uh, in the fall, um, putting together a staff, uh, making uh, decisions about that, the calendar, uh, training ideas, a manual for the team. Uh, there's so much that goes into, uh, uh, I think, doing the, the best job you can possibly do at any at any sport and at any uh, certainly high level. But um, he, he's just been working um, as diligently as, as I think I've ever seen anybody in this role. Um, you mentioned the evaluation period. You know, coaches get evaluated almost every day and certainly every time they play. Uh, I think the first competition uh, for Karch is going to be uh, the Norseka Pan American Cup, uh, but I also think the uh, the Grand Prix is an enormous event this year, and probably the most important competition uh, is going to be the Norseka Championships, uh, which will qualify the winning team uh, for the FIVB Grand Champions Cup. So it's certainly not the, the most critical year of a quad. The first year isn't. But in some respects, it is with a new coach, uh, probably more turnover in player uh, personnel roster than, than you normally have during the rest of the quad, um, a new staff. Uh, so it's going to be a challenging year for Karch, but um, we're, we're as confident as I think it, we, we could be with anybody that, that he's up to the task and is going to just turn out to be a great leader for our women's team. Switching gears uh, from indoor to the to the sand, Doug. What's your? How do you feel the state of beach volleyball is in the U.S. today? Um, maybe a little confused. You, you might know this better than me. Um, you know, on the one hand, I think um, there's a tremendous amount of optimism. There's lots of people interested. There's lots of of energy. There's lots of discussion. There's lots of proposals about new uh, tours, new events, uh, new initiatives, um, but very little has um, has been realized or is um, mature, I guess. I think the good thing is that we're talking with a lot of different entities about uh, certainly the professional level, uh, but also the growth at the grassroots level and uh, the, sort of the pipeline that, that we think is so important to keep filled. Um, I think one of the, um, I don't know, one of the pluses and maybe one of the minuses uh, of, of beach volleyball is this uh, sort of fractured entrepreneurial uh, spirit that pervades the sport. And so there are always new individuals or new promoters or new event operators that are coming into the, uh, in, into the space. Uh, by the same token, there's lots that are, that are leaving the space. And so it's this, it's this constant turnover. Um, but on balance, I, I'm not sure there's ever been a more exciting time for the, 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 the discipline and the world of beach volleyball. And, uh, of course, part of that, I think, is maybe a big part of that is the NCAA Women's Initiative and what it's going to do for the sport at the, at the high school level and at the club level and at the junior level and at the developmental level. And so... I, I don't know. I, I just see this growing. We see it growing uh, through activities that, that we're involved with uh, from our beach department 
the growth is is just staggering and um you know we're we're under i think really a nice uh, situation a nice pressure situation to grow and expand add staff add opportunities add programming um like i think uh never before so from that perspective uh, i'm about as optimistic as i could be i think i think we're going to see continued growth in a really uh, accelerating way uh, on the beach side. What do you know about a potential uh, FIVB beach event in Long Beach in July and potentially a Grand Slam event? What can you share about that? Yeah, you know, it's on the calendar uh, right now, or at least it's on the tentative calendar that I think the FIVB hasn't actually formalized yet. Um, Sorry, go ahead. How tentative is that sort of a schedule? Uh, geez, tentative seems to be a word uh, commonly applied uh, to beach volleyball and, and certainly the FIVB. Uh, I spoke with um, the director of, of beach programming at the FIVB a couple times last week. You know, they're they're still not ready to release their calendar in a final format, and even when they do, I suspect there will be some changes. Um, I think I think there's some great things happening even at the FIBB level with uh, with beach programming. I think there are also some policy changes that are going to be a little bit challenging for uh, for some of the countries that have had a lot of success and where the sport is most embedded. Um, you know, certainly the United States and probably Brazil and a couple of others. Um, but but generally, I, I would expect that the uh, the final calendar would be out approximately the middle of February. Um, I, I'm not sure they've actually uh, uh, communicated a deadline, but something like that. Um, I think there are, are going to be more events than perhaps they've ever had before, but also uh, more space to allow you know, serious development of national programming uh, around the world, which is something we've pushed for, um, I don't know, very aggressively with the FIVB, that they can't schedule their events back to back to back to back and uh, especially for the northern hemisphere countries uh, which which occupy the bulk of the calendar that um, that the FIVB uses that, that just makes it almost impossible to create meaningful domestic uh, a meaningful domestic component so we're we're happy that that they're making some moves in the direction of, of leaving these holes in their calendar at least on a monthly basis we'd like even more but, it, but it's a move in the right direction. The FIVB recently had a presidential election. You were uh, up for that into the finals against Ari Graca of Brazil. Ari Graca came out on top. What kind of changes have you seen already as Ari Graca takes hold of the reins of the FIVB? Um, <clears throat> well, first of all, he's not going to be happy if you call him Graca. I think it's Grassa. But yeah. That's okay. You, you can call him whatever you want, I think. That, that's okay with me. Um He's, uh, in some respects, he's already uh, stamped uh, sort of his personality uh, on the FIVB. Um, he's he's a very dogmatic guy. I think he, he doesn't have any trouble making decisions. Um, I'm not so sure uh, all the time they're, they're as well thought out as, as I'd like. Um, but he, he, he understands the issues that the FIVB is facing and certainly calendar both on the beach side as well as the indoor side is one of the serious ones. Um, 
he's hired a number of uh, people he's comfortable with who are working in the FIBB office. He's eliminated some staff that he wasn't so comfortable with. Um, I think he's changed um, significantly the uh, the makeup of some of the commissions. Um, he's added some new faces, which I, I think is always positive. Um, so he's he's doing quite a lot. There there are um, some real serious challenges I think that the FIVB is facing um, that I doubt he knew before um, he, he actually won the election and took over. And certainly I wouldn't have known uh, until you actually get there. Um, you know they just renewed their World Cup contract with Japan for the next uh, I think two or three editions. Um, as I say, they're about to announce their their uh, schedule for the uh, uh, for the beach um, year uh, with their events. Um, I think in some ways uh, Ari is going to be uh, a breath of fresh air uh, because he's very promotion minded. He's very marketing minded. Uh, he's very um, very much interested in looking for new revenue sources, which uh, I think is important for any international federation or any sport federation generally. Um, I think I think the calendar, as I as I mentioned earlier, is going to be a very very big uh, issue to deal with. Um, trying to find the right balance to allow um, the national federations to have the opportunities to grow the sport domestically, which, which really was one of the, the issues that I, I thought was so important and I spent a lot of time talking about it during the campaign. If we're going to grow this sport, um, we have got to uh, invest, I think, it, from the international level in not just the, the major countries but in uh, sort of the middle, uh, I don't know, the middle countries, the middle professional countries or even the lower-ranked countries that, uh, that we can make a difference in to grow uh, the sport at, at that level, at, you know, to create a league or to create a, a beach tour or to create, you know, zonal events that have really that are compelling and drive participation inside that country. Uh, that to me has always been the foundation of basketball or soccer or any of the, the really sports that are ahead of volleyball on a worldwide basis and where volleyball I think has, uh, has fallen behind. Um, we've got these fabulous world events, but um, but we're we're not as successful across the board in in South America, Asia, Africa, um, and, and some of the other parts of the world where we need to develop the sport domestically. Doug, what's the biggest challenge facing USA, USA volleyball? Gee, I wish we just had one. <clears throat> um, I think I think we have lots of challenges. Uh, you know, to keep pace uh, with the sport at the club level and, um, you know, to manage uh, uh, the quality that we'd like to see, uh, the protections that we'd like for athletes, um, you know, sanctioning requirements, uh, and trying to blend what's best for our regions with the individual clubs, uh, with the individual athletes <clears throat> is, um, is, a, is a constant balancing act. Uh, we think we're doing uh, pretty well, but but there's lots of issues that come up all the time. Uh, I've just touched on safe sport. You know, such a huge percentage of our membership uh, are are young uh, are young athletes, mostly female, uh, trying to uh, find the right balance between uh, a safe environment and communicating 
the value of that safe environment and making parents uh, and sort of informed consumers, uh, I think, is a constant uh, struggle for us. Um, partnering with our regions, who are all, you know, at some level or other quite independent, um, trying to support our regions so that they'll offer the full array of opportunities for all the different populations that we think we can connect to to our sport and to USA Volleyball, um, you know, is a challenge. Uh, supporting our national teams at, at a competitive level um, we think is, um, you know, is constantly a strain on budgets and, uh, uh, and, and a demand, I think, that, that we have to service because that's really what the Olympic Committee um, grades us on. Uh, hosting more events is a challenge for us. Um, you know, we, we very much hope that this FIVB beach event will happen this year in the United States. We, we think it's long overdue. The FIVB thinks it's long overdue. But by the same token, it would be great if we could host maybe the finals of the World League or the finals of the Women's Grand Prix, some major indoor events that uh, would attract media attention, sponsor uh, interest, um, and, and help raise the profile of the sport. And then I haven't even mentioned professional indoor volleyball, which um, we've got sort of an initiative going, but but we'd like to accelerate that and uh, and see if we can't develop some traction uh, that would change, I think, the whole paradigm of where our sport is in this country. So we're not lacking for challenges, that's for sure. Yeah, people don't realize the, the number of areas you guys have to cover there with USA Volleyball and what about the growth of the staff? We mentioned the building, but you guys are unprecedented as far as staffing goes. You know, Kevin, uh, when I when I started as CEO in uh, early 2005, we were uh, we were about 35 full time staff, and and we were um, an association that had an operating budget of about uh, 8.3 or 8.4 million dollars. So we're at about 70 staff right now. Um, probably when our uh, indoor teams and uh, and beach programming gets fully staffed by the end of the year, we might be at 75. And our operating budget this year is going to be just a little bit north of $23 million. So we, we have grown a, a great deal, and we're very proud to be one of the foundation sports within the U.S. Olympic Committee uh, definitions. I think there are seven foundation sports, and uh, we were not one of those until a couple of years ago, but that's based on, you know, Olympic success, international success, but also growth and size. We're we're a little bit over 300,000 members. Um, there's there's a lot I think to be proud of, but there's a lot of uh, a lot of work ahead too. Um, so we're we're interested in continuing the acceleration of the growth and uh, and really making volleyball this commercially uh, attractive sport that's embedded much more in the mainstream of, of our country's sort of sports and entertainment industry, if I can define it that way. What about the misconception of USA Volleyball? I saw it on the indoor side when I joined the team and watched it slowly change over the course of a decade to the point where the perception of USA Volleyball on the indoor side was much different than it had been on the beach side, it seems like things are almost changed, but there's still some people hanging on to stuff from 15 or 20 years ago. How do you how do you 
change that perception of your organization? Um, gosh, that's that's a question. We could probably do a whole one of your shows on that. Um, <laughs> you know, USA Volleyball and, and really any of the NGBs, I think, um, have to do a much better job of uh, promoting and defining who we are and what we can do, what we can't do, what our mission is, et cetera. We're, we're, we're going to create a new department uh, this year within USA Volleyball that we're going to call, uh, I think, something like uh, the Department of Creative Services. One of the roles of that department is really going to be messaging, and we talk about branding and we talk about internal marketing and we talk about uh, taking advantage of social media and all the the new technologies that are out there. But it, it's it's really important um, and it's uh, it, it needs to be a, a more significant effort on behalf of USA Volleyball. We're going to have to devote more money to it, more staffing, uh, more resources across the board. Um, because it, it's it, we just we can never define ourselves or educate the constituent populations that relate to us well enough. Um, the world is a complicated world, and it's just getting more and more complex all the time. And information is being shared, um, you know, at, at probably far beyond lightning speed, even. And, and it's hard to predict, you know, what the next generation is of how people get information and share information and connect to each other, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm by no means the expert in this area. Uh, people at my age rarely are, I think. Um, but but it's a, it's a very important initiative. We, we want to connect together all of our regions, all of our clubs, and there's almost 6,000 of those and 40 regions. All of the events that we uh, are, are connected to whether they're locally sanctioned or nationally sanctioned, and we're talking about tens of thousands of those events. Volleyball has an enormous presence in this country, uh, and we take here in Colorado Springs our, at our little office uh, very seriously our responsibility to try to set standards, to uh, organize events at the highest level, both professionally from a staffing perspective the safety environment. So it's a, I don't know, it's, it's a big task, and it's a um, an increasingly important task. And how we define ourselves, uh, I think, is um, will we'll go a long way toward not necessarily eliminating critics, but at least responding to legitimate concerns about why you're doing this versus that, or why you're spending money here and not spending money there, etc. And um, we we. I think we do a relatively good job of taking seriously all of the things we hear. We can't respond to every one of them. There, there's just too many. But, um, but but we hear them, and, and we're aware of it. And um, I think part of our partnership with the Olympic Committee is meeting some of those sort of broad uh, social objectives. Doug, I love the idea of doing a history of USA Volleyball show, and I know we could do uh, at least another hour <laughs> talking with you. Uh, today, but you have plenty to get to, I'm sure, in uh, solving all of these issues. I have I have one last thing for for Doug, and I think oh. it's something that everybody wants to know. What was it like coaching Kevin Barnett? <laughs> <laughs> what a challenge! <laughs> no, you know Kevin. 
Kevin's like a, uh, seriously a, a ton of players that uh, that go through the USA program, and um, I think one of the things we're extraordinarily proud of is the success of so many of those players um, after their playing career is over. And uh, I, I'm I'm as serious about that as I can be. Um, we we work really hard at trying to connect um, former USA athletes to USA volleyball. And we've got a number of initiatives that we're going to kick off this year. Um, but Kevin, Kevin was terrific. And uh, I, I think the, um, the connection that he has now to the sport and the passion with which he shares that connection uh, speaks well, uh, certainly uh, of him personally, but, but also of, of perhaps uh, the connection he had with USA Volleyball. Thanks, Doug. I, it sounds like you <laughs> forgot like the first three years, but other than that. <laughs> been a while so my memory fades after a while yeah time heals all wounds doug beal ceo of usa volleyball thanks again for sitting in with us we always look forward to our our visits with you on this program great great to be uh, with you guys and uh, continued success this, you guys are doing a great service for the sport too thanks very much all right thanks doug good talking to you doug, ceo of usa volleyball checking in from the headquarters there in colorado springs mentions how much he travels it is an incredible amount that Doug Beal travels for FIVB, for uh, the national teams themselves, trying to keep track of everything that's happening with a lot of the aspects that you just heard about. I mean, this is an organization that no matter how you touch it, whether through the club or adult nationals or collegiately or national team programming as a fan, as a member, this is a wide-reaching organization. And really what you need to know is contained in just a few numbers right there. 35 people in an operating budget of $8.5 million back in 2005. And mind you, that was a lot better than eight years earlier, 1997, when that organization was on the verge of bankruptcy. So Doug takes it over with an $8.5 million budget now. Here we are, what, seven years later, eight years later, and he has doubled the amount of people working for him and has nearly tripled the budget from what it was, $23 million operating budget. That's that's real growth. Yeah, USAV used to get uh, a little hammered with how they handled the beach and stuff like that when I first started, but they've come a long way, and I think they're doing a lot of good things for the sport for how small of an organization it is. It's tough a job what they're doing. The only way to change it is to consistently deliver better product. Of course. And USA Volleyball is not going anywhere, much to the chagrin of some of the operators of the AVP a few years ago. Uh, it's it's not leaving. It's a national governing body that you just heard is a, quote, foundation sport now for the USOC. And whenever you talk to the USOC about national governing bodies, USAV was one of the good ones. And, yeah, they made mistakes. I was the first critic when I was an indoor player. Shocker. I was, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but I've seen real change there. And I think Doug's done a tremendous job as CEO uh, of of changing the perception. You don't always like the decisions that Doug makes or the way that he makes them. But I've always enjoyed that, like any organization, you may not like the direction, but at least there's direction. There are a lot of directionless organizations out there and national governing bodies. And I think USA Volleyball, in some cases, suffered from a little bit of directionlessness, if that's even a word, sure. in the late 90s. So I, I've been very impressed with that. I thought, <laughs> I love the uh, Department of Creative Services. Did anyone else think like Ministry of Magic at that point? <laughs> Dustin already sent his resume. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sounded to me like the Ministry of Magic. It actually sounded to me like something that the Net Live should be incorporated into. Let's talk about new age stuff. We're cool on the cutting edge here. Social people. media, internal marketing. Yeah. Let's do this. Come on. 
No, you know, uh, community outreach. You, you can always count on Doug to talk a lot when we talk to him. So it's uh, whoa, but it's, it's always good, listen, good information. But, uh, you know, Doug, Doug will give you a lot of information right there. There's a lot to think about. So if you go back and listen to that, you'll uh, you'll hear about it again as I rip my headphones off my. Was head. he that monotone when he coached? <laughs> Not with me. I was gonna say, like, did he, did he get after it when he coached, or was that how he delivered things to you? No, Doug. Uh, very occasionally, he's not a yeller. Yeah, yeah, he's not a yeller. Um, he would. He didn't just look at you and go, Kevin, play better. <laughs> my life, my coaching. I have to think about the things Doug would say to me. There, there's one that always sticks with me. I'd have to think harder to find another one, but this one always sticks with me at a hotel in Argentina, and. I was in a tizzy over some hotel charge or something. I was just crazy. And uh, again, shocker. Yeah, and and Doug said something to me about that I was on an emotional downward spiral. <laughs> and still going. It's like still really? spiraling. Still spiraling. It's a long downward spiral. We've yeah. tightened it up. I'm almost dizzy. That's awesome. So that that one sticks with me. I have to think of some other stuff. I mean, I remember I I put a hole in a chair at where were we? Because you were angry? I think it was Poland. With a ball? Yeah, we weren't playing well. I wasn't playing well. And I came off the floor, and it's one of those super cheap patio chairs. Of course. The ones that if you, like, touch the wrong way, it cuts you because they're so sharp on the edges. Well, I came over, and I put my foot through the seat, like heel first. Nice. And then I covered it up. And, of course, Rod Wild goes running over to Doug, tells him I put a hole in a chair, and Doug sends me out. But doesn't yell at me, right? So the yeah. point of not being a yeller sends me out. And uh, and I spent the rest of the – because it was like an exhibition match. We played three and then played a couple extra. I spent a couple extra in the locker room by myself. Exhibition match, Kevin throwing Gatorade, cursing, his foot through chairs. giving the bird to the fan. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Here's the Growing thing. Growing the game. Yeah. <laughs> hey, good or bad with me, the one thing you knew is that if it was practice or if it was an exhibition match or if it was a real match, I was bringing it. No doubt. It, it was completely out of control, but like it was do, coming. Just like you do every, every week on this show. Absolutely. Yeah, it was coming. It was a little out of control, and you might be offended. Well, no, you would be offended. That's really why we had to get a new couch up here, because you took a knife to it, to the old one, <laughs> right. so we had to get a new one. I but, actually felt like I didn't have a good show a couple of weeks ago, and I put my foot right through it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, go ahead. I, I just think that for me and Doug, there was always tension. I knew Doug didn't like what I how I ran things in certain ways, my, my emotional approach to the game in many cases, my emotional approach to teammates was not right for a long time. You were young. Uh, but, but that was the one thing that I, that I always felt like Doug and I could connect over, and that is you'd go to practice, and you know there are those guys that sometimes practice well, sometimes they don't. Practice. Sometimes they're there, sometimes they're not mentally. But I came every day to play, and I felt like for Doug and I that was a connection, that that was the one thing he could rely upon no matter the other stuff I was doing. At least I come and spike the ball hard. So hit ball down line. Yeah. Practice hard. Practice. practice. We're talking about game. Thirteen and a half times. Talking about practice. Practice. And look, as much as the sport, especially beach volleyball, is just I don't. I almost don't want to talk about it. But USAV is helping grow the sport of volleyball. They are. One hundred percent. In a lot of ways. One hundred percent. And hey. I, you know, I'm happy for that. Let's bring in Brandon Rosenthal because yeah. I think he's still there, isn't he? I may not have any gigs. But whatever. Brandon Roosevelt? Six, we. Six one five? Yeah. We may not have any gigs. We goose. My, totally my fault, Dustin. You're right. You can be my wingman anytime. <laughs> Ice. Here's Man. Brandon. Here's Brandon. Brandon, what's up? You're calling me. You know the show's on air. You're calling the show. You must have something. No, I, I love whenever we talk with uh, former coaches of Kevin. 
and you ask them what it's like to have coached Kevin, and they always start like this. Well, um, long pause, long pause, how should I put it? And then they kind of go in real gently. But uh, the one thing I like is, is Kevin's forthcoming with how he was. And uh, I like that. You should have Marv on sometimes. We tried. We tried to have him on this week, actually. Couldn't get the schedule because they practiced during this period of time. So we're working on Marv. He was uh, he was supposed to be on the program. You need me to take care of it? Hmm. I mean, because that's how it usually happens. So, well, I mean, I can, I can get on it. Booking yeah. agent, Brandon yeah. Rosenthal. He is. He's the NetLive booking agent. That's why he... Uh, he's he's short and air. Fifth is, man award. Rosenthal, where are you calling from right now? His truck, probably. Nashville. His no, truck. no, I'm not talking, like, what state, but, like, what is your current surrounding? Like you're in a cave? Or uh, I'm, I just pulled into a parking garage. 77 Chevy going to work today or what? <laughs> no, we, we left her at home, uh, but we did have, we had some good individuals this morning, some good uh, weights, and I'm just grabbing, uh, just got back from a late lunch with our team manager, so pretty pumped about that. All right, good stuff. Thanks for calling in. Just listen. Hey, guys, keep up the good work. We'll talk to you later. We're going to try and end this program here because it's already 12.20. People are hanging on. 2.20. Got to go. I mean, we used to go three hours of the original, but to be honest, only 20 minutes of it was any good. Why would nowadays, you go, what would 30. you talk about for three hours? Not if we could find the first episode, we might know. I don't. I almost don't want to hear the first episode. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it's not good. Not good. Me, I'd never hosted a show before, only been the analyst. Awesome. I was definitely you know, sure I could do it. Of course. Not do it well, but I was sure I could do it. Set me the ball. Give me a microphone. How else are you going to get better other than getting set? No doubt. You know, if you don't demand the ball, you're never getting better. You can whale the ball into the ocean or into the wall. There's got to be some highlight footage of you siding out. I need to see this. Uh, I probably have Pep on tape here somewhere if you want to go all the way back that far. And by tape, you mean actual tape. Yeah, that's actual tape. VHS. I don't know if I have DVDs of me playing. Well, once you convert them. Oh, Olympics. I've got Olympics on, on DVD somewhere. Okay. She actually showed it. Pretty cool moment. My my son's uh, class, uh, third grade class, mm-hmm. this year. Is last year? Maybe the end of last year. Brought you in for show and tell. Second grade class. Yeah, it just had me come in and speak about my the Oli- about going to the Olympic Games. They were my getting, dad pulled him out of his lunchbox. Yeah. It was my show and tell today. They were getting all pumped about the Olympics. So they want to have somebody come in and talk about the Olympics. This is end of last year, going into the summer. And so I brought in and I brought in the tape of Greece, United States. Did you wear short shorts? I did to not, the class. I, don't, I think I, I brought my jersey. But I didn't wear my jersey. I wore my broadcaster outfit. I brought jersey. Oh, okay. And I uh, I showed the tape, and I can't remember if I had told them what was going to happen or what, but they're watching the tape of the fifth set, watching us come back to win. They start chanting USA. Awesome. While watching In the tape, it was class. such a cool moment. Yeah, they're watching the tape and. And they're just sitting there. I don't even think it was one with commentators either. It didn't because ha- it was just raw that I got a raw oh, yeah. feed of the whole thing because it was never all shown, right? Yeah. But I got a raw feed from somewhere and I was showing it. And they start chanting USA, USA. That's awesome. It was awesome. Just a really cool moment where you see sport connect with with the youngsters. It was really awesome. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll watch some tape at some point. I got Pep Stanford or something. That'd be a good one because it's got Lambert in it. And I just want to see you side out. Those were real side outs too. Real side outs. Good out. point. Side out. Good point. It's not my first. Oh. Not my first rodeo. Not good my show. first rodeo here. Show. Not the last rodeo. We'll be back next Monday with yet another show. Jeremy, hand me that sheet over there if you would, underneath my wall. I want to see who who we're working on. 
This was a great show. An hour and like 20 minutes of Super Bowl talk. Yeah. And yeah. Then about an hour and 20 minutes of volleyball. So we're still working on Marv Dunphy. Uh, Priscilla Lima, do we have her next week, Jeremy? That was a question to you. I will be confirming this week. She's okay. in Brazil. We're just trying to make sure the uh, timing and all that stuff works out. Well, we're, right. we're absolutely set up technically to be able to support that, so that shouldn't be an issue at all. Yeah, no problem The at infrastructure all. in Brazil is top-notch, too, so we'll be fine there. We have Bill Ferguson of USC coming on next week. Confirmed. Confirmed. Look at us planning ahead. Good job. Mm-hmm. And we're working on the – Coach's Corner, uh, we may end up with Kathy DeBoer for sand volleyball. We start talking a little bit about sand volleyball, the initiatives there. You heard Doug mention how exciting that is. Is she the one that crushes you? Who's the... Uh, uh, Kathy DeBoer is head of AVCA. No, I know, but who's the... Um, oh, I've met her. She came up to me and was making fun of you immediately, and I liked her right away. <laughs> when all your Title IX talk, she just crushes you on it. Nina? Yeah, maybe that's who it is. Nina Can we have her back on to crush you some more? Nina's banned from the show forever. <laughs> For saying there's no interest in men's volleyball. That's that's why she's banned. There's, she said there's, that? Just, just no interest in your sport. Okie dokie. No, we Nina's def- not banned forever. We, we like, need her. We on. like having her on here because she, uh, she's not afraid to give her opinion. She stirs it up. So we're working on some guests. We still uh, we have John Costi coming up in two weeks. That'll be on Tuesday, February 19th, because it's a holiday on Monday. Uh, we'll work on uh, a few other guys, too. Is that President's Day? Donald's son? Yeah, probably. Al B. also confirmed for February 19th. Yep. NBL. So we'll talk about him and his balls. <laughs> There's like ten things I'm clipping. This show today. It's amazing. It's been a clippable episode, and maybe maybe Gardhoff will do a collage this week since he skipped last week. Maybe he'll do a double collage. He well, was too busy week, making the this is well the last week. I am volleyball because he went Thursday to Monday real quick. So there yeah, wasn't a yeah. Lot of time. When he's making the I am volleyball things and putting those up. So uh, much thanks to Matt Gardhoff as usual, and much thanks to Chris McGee for coming in as well as and Dustin Aval and the early. cat for being on the couch along with uh, Jeremy for running the show over here technically. Good job. I like to get a microphone for the last 10 minutes of the show. So. Yeah. But hopefully by next week you will have a microphone also because we'll have new technology. Here you get the, the last studio. word in that way. You know what? Good call. Yeah. All right. Spin up the music. We're getting out of here. The Net Live. Hopefully you get out and play some volleyball this week. Do it. 68 and sunny here. Head to the beach. Get some sets. I went to the beach yesterday. It was awesome.
only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 